0: All Stars right now.
1: Hello and welcome to Bear Football here on the Barroom Network. John Buffon alongside Aldo Gondia and Tyler Ellis. The Bears fall 17 to 9. They got that touchdown at the end to probably mess up a bunch of betting spreads for a bunch of different people. But the, nevertheless, the Bears fall 17 to 9. And what can we see is a really odd kind of game. Uh, listen, I don't know if it was maybe it's the Christmas spirit or maybe it's that we just know. We knew that what the destiny of this team was going to be, uh, I guess, a year ago. But something about the peak, undisciplined, chippy, aggressive Bears was a little more fun to watch tonight. I'm not saying it was a pleasure to watch, but it was a little different than the staleness we had been getting for the last 14 weeks. So they, there was an aggressiveness on defense. There was a, you know, the wide-eyed first experience and some of the people in the secondary, Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn were firing on all, all cylinders. Offense was a mess. Let's we, we can call that for what it was. But but the the defense came to play, and you know what? We kind of we kind of assumed that that was going to be the kind of result. We were, but they held tough. Bad overall performance for the offense. But uh, what are your key takeaways? Aldo, we'll start with you.
0: Well, before I get you know really in depth into a lot of things I'd like to talk about tonight, I just want to start my little open here by praising Akeem Hicks. This guy is just such a delight. I am really going to miss him so much when he moves on from the Chicago Bears. He probably is playing his last couple of games. Maybe this is his last game. Who knows? And if he did, I mean, what a fabulous way to go out. His performance was outstanding. It was, I think, him and Quinn was why. He, the defensive backfield played so well because they're constant pressure. If you can have outside pressure, match with inside pressure, you're doing something special. And Nikem was doing it. He set that nasty tone throughout the game. He he played with a mean streak and he he was effective. He made impact plays. And we're gonna miss him so, so much. And I just want to salute that guy. I know we'll be talking about him more in the weeks to come as you know his situation gets resolved for next season. But I, I just want to start the show by saying I, I just really admire that guy. He's one of my all-time favorite Chicago Bears players.
1: Tyler, what, did you, what are your key takeaways from just immediate reaction?
2: Immediate reaction, um, defense can play good when they want to, I guess. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's what I got. I mean, we had – I was actually very impressed with our secondary. I was, re- I was really impressed. Um, from what we've seen all season long, to um, well, first of all, congratulations to Aldo Gandia for beating me in the playoffs at a Bar room Network because <laughs> Justin Jefferson and Cook could, couldn't do a dang thing. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Akeem and Roquan.
2: <laughs> and so there you go. Um, but that, the key takeaways is that like I I I was Akeem Hicks looked like a man possessed. He finished every tackle to the ground, getting mm-hmm. off blocks. I saw him outworking um um um. Um, Eddie Goldman, just like he—he he just looked like he was putting on audition tape, guys. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I actually hope that we do get to keep him with, if he wants to give us a discount or whatever, it would be dope. He might go to some championship team, so to speak, for one-year deals. Mm-hmm. But um, just quick takeaways: offense needs work. It's nothing that we don't already know, John. Offense needs work. Justin Fields needs work. Justin Fields. I can't wait to hear about Justin Fields' off-season program. Um, his off-season program—he's gonna come back with so much more muscle mass and awareness. I'm just, I'm. I'm I was, I'm already looking forward to next year, but it's like the fact that we can't score when we want to says a lot.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. Justin Fields, 26 of 39 for 285 yards and that gratuitous touchdown. And as the uh, clock hit triple zeros there, but guys, the, the red zone offense was atrocious, and so what do you what do you chalk that up to? Do you chalk it up to play calling? Because there was, I believe, there was a fourth down play where was it the third or fourth down play where Darnell Mooney was the guy in the backfield, and you probably really wanted David Montgomery back there. Uh, what do you chalk up the ineptitude of the red zone offense to? Because it's it's almost laughable to say, well, if they were playing on an 80 yard field, the Bears would be pretty good, but they they, they could not put it in. Uh, once they got into the red zone, what do you attribute that to? I,
0: you know, I think it's a multitude of reasons. So if you're asking me to list them, I'm, I might consider putting Justin Fields at the top of the list. He's just making a lot of rookie errors. And then when you combine that with uh, an offensive line that is unreliable and you combine that with a scheme where you're not using your playmakers effectively um, and, um you know, I I think it's all all of those reasons and, and I'm sure many more. So um, this is something that I'm really, really hopeful that as Justin Fields progresses, he's going to become much better at. Remember in training camp, we were told in that preseason training camp game uh, at, at Hal saw that scrimmage, Justin Fields had like three out of four plays in the red zone where he scored touchdowns. Everybody was marveling at it and so forth. Practice counts for something, and so he just now has to translate it to the NFL game, and, I, and I'm confident he will.
2: Absolutely, I mean, we saw Justin's just scrambling around, is like taking sacks and everything. It, it just it just looks weird. It gets weird in the red zone, but we said what well, can be account to it? It's the same thing that we why we get the slow starts. It's the same reason why we can't score. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. It's it's that's why it's the writing's on the wall. I mean, it's just, it's it's really all together. We can't score in the first half. We can't score in the red zone. I mean, Justin Fields came out four for four with four first downs on that one particular drive, and uh, give my man credit. He had a nice shake and bake. Justin Fields created five first downs by himself, like throwing the ball and a penalty on that drive, and we still couldn't like just throw a touchdown pass. And so it's just all the all these exciting things. While I'm looking forward to next year and getting some good receivers, John.
1: Yeah, and. Holistically looking at this, I I know that we talked about this at halftime, but we're not, we said we haven't been hearing the same thing about Trevor Lawrence being so bad or Zach Wilson being so bad. And, And the first argument I always hear to that is, well, the Jets and the Jaguars are much worse teams than the Bears. Well, okay, let's just assume that's true, despite the fact the Bears only have two more wins than the Jags and one more win than the Jets, and the Bears are currently 15th out of 16th in the NFC. Let's just assume that the Bears are head and shoulders better than those two teams. What does it say about coaching, then, if you're... Head and shoulders team that is much better only has one or two more wins than the worst teams in football. That shows that you have a complete inept coaching staff that can't get anything out of an offense, that can't get anything out of their developmental quarterback, that can't progress their players. So even if it's true that the Jets and Jaguars are that much worse than the Bears, that shows the incompetence of the coaching staff in Chicago, if they're the much more talented team. So I think that there, there's a lot that needs to be going through. And, you know, Louis Riddick finally, it sounded like Louis Riddick was putting out his resume for the GM job on Monday Night Football, talking <laughs> about how they really needed to shake up the organization. And he mm-hmm. ran he ran down the list. He talked about Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace, and uh, he talked about Ted Phillips, and t- brought up George McCaskey's name quite a few times. So uh, it, it's, it's pretty obvious... What needs to be done, and I'm sure we're going to get into that a little bit later. But one thing I did really want to bring up was, and I am not normally someone that harps on officiating because I hate to be that guy. I hate to be the one that talks about, oh, the refs screwed us and the refs did that. I hate being that guy. But gee whiz, guys, there were some calls tonight, and I want to start with the Tevin Jenkins call, where he got he got called for uh, I believe unnecessary roughness or whatever. He, he ended up punch, pushing or punching a, a Vikings player, and that was the one that I was the least mad about as far as from a Bears point of view, because when Justin Fields got shoved out of bounds and you can say what you want about late hit or whether or not it looked like it was pretty bang bang. I would not have been I didn't think it necessarily had to be a late hit. But Tevin Jenkins, the rookie, is the guy that first came to Justin Fields aid on that. He was the one that got into the Vikings players face and started pushing around and setting that aggressive Tone, And let's not forget that he and and Lewis Riddick said, well, you can go in there and get in someone's face and then walk away without drawing a penalty. That's what he was trying to do Mm -hmm. until he got punched in the face. And then he retaliated by punching the other guy in the face. He tried to do the right thing, stand up for for his quarterback get in the Vikings players face and then he got punched and then he punched back at the very minimum that should have been offsetting penalties, despite the fact that Jenkins was the one that got punched first. So that was the one I was probably the most irritated about from a flag point uh, from the, the referees point of view and the most okay with from the Bears point of view, because you, sh- you see Jenkins standing up for his quarterback. What What was your take on that Aldo?
0: Well, I got to, I, I I totally agree with you on that. And I gotta show you a little bit of video that I put up on uh uh my Twitter account. I noticed after the players were separated, meaning uh Tevin Jenkins and the Vikings player, Germaine Fidi goes over to Devin Hated Jenkins this. and shoves him and, and puts him and tells him to get back. It seems like Hey, dude, I was just protecting my quarterback. Why are you messing with me like that? And I, don't I, know. I wish,
1: I wish if Eddie would show some of that aggression on the line.
0: Tell me about it. Tell me about it. You ain't kidding. So uh, you're, you're right. I mean, these guys, Tevin Jenkins and Justin Fields, these are part of the future core. And so when you have your offensive lineman, who was in part brought in for that nasty attitude, for that very protective approach he has to his quarterback and stuff. When when he's out there doing that, you're gonna be a little bit more forgiving. Yes, he hasn't played well and, and he's had some p- issues with penalties and so forth, but I was exchanging uh messages with uh, uh Matthew Forchisi during the game and he, he he told me, you know, definitely um and, you know, that um um our, our tackle Jenkins needs to play better to earn those that respect, but he he still you can't you can't blame him for sticking up for his guy so he he did a very commendable commendable job I'm with you John big time
2: yeah Um Hafey yeah. needs to chill out like I'm surprised Jenkins didn't even let that slide because first of all first of all the dude's got back from injury punk why would you even hit him that hard first of all <laughs> especially like we've seen you mess up plenty of times all dang almost almost all dang season this dude is on his his first freaking start of his freaking career. Like bro, chill out. And he was protecting his quarterback. Like I mean, Joseph has been abused all season long. Like come on, I'm that 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 little video has pissed me off. Like yo, why would you do that to that young guy? I'm, I'm excited for Jenkins. He played his technique was better than last week.
4: Mm-hmm. And so
2: and so I, that's what I saw. And so the young man is learning. I'm just glad that our 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 top pick is freaking on the damn on the field, on the field.
1: Yeah, and, and like I tweeted as soon as I saw that, give me angry Tevin Jenkins for the next 10 years. I'll take that. I'll take that tone setter for the next 10 years. If he's going to anchor your uh, offensive line, give me that mean junkyard dog attitude. It says, you push my quarterback, I'm going to get in your face. Much Something that the Bears offensive well. line has been lacking for quite some time. Now – I, I as far there's a there's a lot of other calls we can talk about, but honestly, if you're only going to score three points in the game, they, you want to know how much time, how much it actually affected the game. Uh, I, I will say that there were some calls that elongated some of the Vikings drives that in, in a, which turned out to be a one score game, which whatever, they scored a touchdown with one second left, but there were a couple of those uh, penalties that continued the Vikings drive on there. Uh, they are momentum killers. They do kind of take the wind out of your sails a little bit, but overall, you got to score more points, and uh, if there was ever a time, to and although I believe you tweeted this out today, the more that the these, these COVID protocols come in, or the more the you know the coaches are being held out, the more it seems like Matt Nagy's going to be held to the end of the season just because they might need people to to stand on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it, it's my thought process now that if they don't, if they if they don't fire Matt Nagy tomorrow. It's not gonna happen. It, it won't. I mean, I, I said it's not gonna happen till the end of the season. It won't happen till whatever January tenth or whatever it is, uh, because one. This was one to go out on. If you're going to go out on one, go out on this one where you were completely undisciplined. You were getting you're getting penalized like crazy. You're chirping in the referee's ear every five seconds about something. This is one that you're probably going to you want to go out on. Uh, but if they don't, I don't think they're going to fire him the day after Christmas. I don't think they're going to fire him on New Year's Day. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, if, at that point, you're at the end of the season anyway. Then the, it's the next week is the last week ever. So are you? I I, I like that they could potentially start interviewing people 2 weeks before the season's over. I think they should do that. I think I that's what I've been pushing for for a long time. But if they don't do it tomorrow, I don't I don't see it happening. Do either one of you see Matt Nagy getting released before the end of the season?
2: Uh, the one thing that I heard, they said if a if a coach is made aware that he would not be returning next year, then we also get the interview for the playoffs, and
1: so That's a nice way of saying fired. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so, like, if, if maybe I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know, but it's like, but the fact of the matter is, I hope ownership is is not blind because, like you said, when you brought up Jacksonville, guess what? Jacksonville got a taste of it, and they're not going to wait around. They mm-hmm. one and done, one and done. The most famous, one of the most famous college football coaches of in the game. Um, couldn't get it done with the
1: top pick and he's gone. So hopefully we follow suit. And there's reports that say that Jacksonville's already really honed in on trying to get Byron Leftwich to go and be their head coach. Mm -hmm. And and by and now they they can't, you know technically go do that it's not the it's not the final two weeks of the season yet but there's where you know sometimes when there's smoke there's fire and Byron Leftwich Leftwich played quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars so it would make sense but they're going to be able to talk to him two weeks before the season's uh, season's up if the Bears still have Matt Nagy they're not going to be able to I'm not saying that they have to go out and get Byron Leftwich. I'm just saying those are the kind of opportunities they're going to miss out on if they don't do that just to let a guy finish out the season if you already know what you're going to do if you already know Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy aren't going to be there then you got to start the process it's got to start somewhere and why not start it sooner rather than later you don't have to have your new head coach signed in <laughs> at the end of the season you don't have to have him by you know January 15th or whatever but you do have to at least get the process started and you got to show the fans that okay enough is enough this is this this isn't working clearly this is not the guy who's going to take us to the Super Bowl it's not the GM that's going to construct the Super Bowl roster now is the time we're turning the page the chapter starts now uh but like I said if they don't do it tomorrow which because I, I honestly thought that they were gonna for the first time ever fire a coach sometime in within the season if they don't do it tomorrow I'm changing my opinion on that because he's gonna finish out the season although I assume you're sticking with that he's gonna be here till january 9th or whatever
0: yeah you know i thought there was a really good chance he would be let go but now with this uh new surge in the pandemic and all of the COVID cases that are being reported the nhl just suspended their season today so uh you know how may you know sometimes these sports leagues get information from government officials a lot sooner than uh, the rest of the public and so perhaps they know something that it's going to get much worse so they're trying to to get ahead of it. Um, you know, fortunately most football games are held outside. So I just don't see that disruption of bringing, firing the coach and bringing, you know, figuring out what this new staff is going to look like and potentially having some of them get sick and so forth. I, you know, three more games, it's not going to be that big of a deal in the long run. If, you know, uh, it, it, there's only one other team looking for a head coach right now. So so that's the good thing, you know. There's a lot more than one good candidate.
2: Guys, we lost ten football games. We lost ten freaking football games. Like at the end of the day, like, yo, there's other teams going to the playoffs.
4: There's,
2: there's other teams with double digit wins, and in fact, the fact that it's just we beat, we beat the Lions, but without that, John, what was our last win before that? Was that Week Five, Week Four? It was so uh, like
1: again, the the Vegas game, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and so it's just like COVID, and I get it, I, I get it. But it's just like this, this is this isn't Matt Nagy's first year. <laughs> this, this isn't this isn't his first year. Um The offense, the, the one thing about tonight, which is why I don't have to be upset because everybody got to see tonight. The offense looked <laughs> non-efficient, non-efficient. That I couldn't defend. What lawyer could defend that in any aspect? Fourth down conversions. Um, from 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 from, from footwork conversions to um, just c- communication, I mean from any aspect of it. When you talk about footwork and progression, I mean it's really it's the writing's on the wall, guys. I mean one thing that I did want to one thing that I quickly did want to brag on is just going back to my to my guy Graham in the secondary. I mean mm-hmm. really shout out to my man for really putting on some awesome tape. I mean, Bears be like, yo, he's our starter for next year. That'd be awesome. But add him to the pie, let him get some good reps in. But that was really, really cool to see. I mean, because we didn't have our Eddie Jackson flying in the backfield doing a whole bunch of things this offseason long. And so it was really cool to see um the secondary put together some things.
1: Yep. Yeah, did I was, I was just gonna ask that. Did Thomas Graham play himself into a starting role for the rest of the year? Do you even even if the, those guys come back and you know Artie Burns is back, Kendall Vildor is there, and you know, Jalen Johnson's obviously gonna be the cornerback one when he gets back, but did did Thomas Graham just play himself into some serious playing time for the rest of the year?
0: I hope so. I, it, as much as I hope that we don't see another broadcast graphic saying that the Chicago Bears are still in the hunt. <laughs> right lost right? uh, 10 games. I know. So if they're still in the hunt, Matt, you might say, yeah, we we're going to play all the veteran guys. <laughs> I, I don't know what, what this guy is going to do. I Hopefully he knows that – he will leave the the Chicago Bears organization in better standing if he starts to develop some of these young guys and puts his own ego aside and start to develop guys for the next head coach on, of this uh, Chicago Bears team.
2: And and that decision and pressure should be on Sean Deschard because if we're gonna get a brand new head coach, that means probably gonna get a, a new defensive coordinator. Sean Desai needs to put some good film together for his next position. So if Sean Desai can show these other teams, like, "Hey, I got this young guy out here, developed them, got him ready," and he started, he started for us the last three, four games. Things like that is why coaches should be think should be forward thinking a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and yeah, with the Bears, I think they I think we just saw that they're officially eliminated from playoff uh, contention. So I was going to say, if they're not, this is how watered down things have gotten when the Bears could potentially be in the hunt at four and ten. But anyway, but I. Uh, that being the case, and we and uh, we talked about this before, like does Matt Nagy need to get Tevin Jenkins before Peters got hurt? Does Tevin Jenkins need to get more time? Should Jesper Horstead and Jesse James be getting more playing time uh, at tight end? Was Jesper Horstead? Should Thomas Graham be brought up? Are these guys that you drafted? Uh, and it was and now that they're officially eliminated, you would think even if Matt Nagy, in his mind, has construed the the tiniest possibility that he could be the head coach of the Chicago Bears in 2022 even if he's staying in that mindset you would think okay we are eliminated from the playoffs let's start looking to next year and who we can put into these places even if he would believe that he is going to be the head coach the right move would to be would be to look at the guys that can help you next year, because this year's over. This year is is lost. You are eliminated from the playoffs. You have nothing really to play for, except to see what you got for next year. So the right move would be to get Jesper Horsted more time. Would be to get Thomas Grant in a little bit more to see what you got. But we don't know if we're going to see that. We don't know what this coaching staff is going
0: to do. Uh, Maggie's at the, the podium. Are you guys yes, going to stick uh, around for for that all that of this, have. or are you guys? Oh, gonna... listen,
1: yeah. Big okay. picture.
3: Uh... Not enough, you know, not enough points isn't going to win games. That starts with me. Um, so, you know, I just uh, you look at this, and, this and, and you see where he had five, five possessions, possessions inside, inside the 21-yard yard line and came away with three points. points. And, you, know, and, you know, it's, it's not good, good enough. enough.
5: So I was, I was really, really proud of our defense. defense I thought, man, I thought, man for, to have your entire secondary out, out the, way the way they, they played,
3: um, it was relentless, um, 12, 12 possessions, six three you know, you know, the, you know, the, the interception, interception. Just you, you felt, felt the energy, energy you, you felt, felt the passion, passion you, you felt, felt the fight. You know, and, and and I don't know how you as a head coach can't just absolutely love that. And you know what I mean? That those guys that go out there and do that was impressive, and so I I appreciate that um, for the way they the way they came in and fought um, under the circumstances, um, offensively, you know, moving to football, um, but just not 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 being good in the red zone. Um, for different reasons and that's uh you know whether it's penalties whether it's um you know any of it well you know again we have to understand that you have to score in the red zone field goals do you know good miss field goals do you know good you need touchdowns um so that that's what this came down to uh nine total penalties uh five personal fouls uh one including myself so um that it was an emotional game um and <clears throat> i think that it sucks losing. Um, but when I'm, you know, talking to the guys and just knowing for, for me to understand where they're at and to see their fight, I appreciate that. Um, so I think with that, I'll go ahead and, uh, open up the questions. What was
4: your conversation with Terrence Miles about? And what was it about that situation that pushed you over the edge? To get to play?
3: Yeah, I just, again, I saw, I saw what, I saw what happened. And, uh, you know, our guys are fighting their asses off to get off the field. And I saw what happened. So I just, I explained my opinion on it. And, um, you know, I don't regret it.
4: That late third quarter where there was a, a fourth and one, what were you trying to get done there? And what was the confusion from your understanding of, of what went astray on that play?
3: When I challenged it, when I tried to challenge it?
4: Know, the fourth and one, it looked like it was maybe going to be a bootleg for, for Justin and that was in the backfield.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, that's just the that's a it's a play design we've had in all year long. And I you know, I got to see it on tape. It was on the opposite sideline, but um they obviously covered it. Um so it's just uh they, they give credit to the defense. Coach, did you
4: have any conversation with Ted
3: on the side, right? I did, yeah. Yeah. I just what happens is is you know, when those those personal fouls are are going on, you can feel the emotion and and the guys are fighting and you know, these guys are gonna protect one another. They're gonna fight and um there's there's you got to be smart. And I think after like after that one, I went around and talked to all the guys and just said, OK, it's it's time to reel it back in. Right. All of us, myself included, it's time to reel it back in. So uh, I love the fight. I love I love their energy. Um, the, You know, so those guys, though, when you talk to them and you explain to them, you know, you understand that, OK, this is what's going on and every action has a reaction. Um, just be smart, because it what it does is it it puts us in in tough situations by losing yards, and again myself included with with what with what I did, so um, we had to reel it back in. But this is an emotional game, and it'd be one thing if the t- team came out and just said, you know what, we're we're four and, you know, we got we we got a four we got four wins on the year, we're four and nine, and you know we're just uh, we're at a point where we're just gonna check out, and our guys don't do that, and that that's why. That's why you get emotional. That's why you care is because they put a lot of time and energy to come out here and play. And I just like that about them. Do you
4: think your own on online from that you just mentioned, do you think that affected your players' behavior like, in any way and maybe incited more of that in them? And is that emotion can it be unhelpful in certain
3: ways in the game? No, no, our guys know. We we they know I'm a fiery emotional guy. I wear my emotions on my sleeve and um, but there's also you gotta be smart with when you do things. Um, and there comes a point, too, when you're, you know, again, when you're in that situation and your guys are fighting like heck to get off the field, um, those guys, our, our players are grown, grown men. They understand um, how to get a penalty or not get a penalty, and, and they're, they're playing hard. And
4: sometimes the lack of protection that Justin has received on some of those hits throughout the season, do you understand why one of your players would want
3: yeah. to go back right away?
4: And then, do you have any problem with
3: maybe some of the other players that then went after Tevin for doing that? Well, they're 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 trying to. There's a again, there's a balance. It's it's there's emotions, so you got to understand. Okay, yeah, you want to protect your quarterback, right? But how ha- how do you protect them? That's what I talked to Tevin about when he came to the sideline. And then there's the other guys back there just saying, okay, now it's okay. It's the it's the part with the team, the penalty, and 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 how that goes. So we we all have to um, make sure that we're understanding what can happen to the consequences to getting a penalty. Um, and and so that's a, that's something that all these guys, again, it's it's raw emotion when you're down there, you got to be smart. I understand that, but um, they're fighting. And so I thought some of that said, you know, for our defense to be able to still give us a chance and, and stop them on offense and, and give us positions to get down there and get touchdowns. We just didn't do it on offense.
4: Usually you got you to pick Jefferson or Cook
3: mm-hmm. The yeah, of
4: the world,
3: I know, I know. A lot of credit to Sean DeSai, that defensive coaching staff, and the players. Those young kids that came out there, coming into this game, you could feel it from the beginning. They weren't, they weren't overwhelmed by, by anything. And just like you said, Brad, you know, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are two of the better players at their position in this league right now. And Kirk Cousins, I have a ton of respect for, and I think he's a hell of a quarterback. Um, And so for our defense to come out and get the amount of three and outs that we got, man, that's impressive. And that that's what probably is what's frustrating is that you come into this game and you know you're depleted in the secondary and you figure, okay, yeah, that you know, we'll see what happens with them trying to throw the ball on you and do different things. And then we can go and score points on offense. And but if you were to ask at the beginning of the game if that's gonna happen and you're you're gonna have a great chance to win, I would say, yeah. But when you don't score in the red zone and you we we had turnovers and um you know, penalties, that hurts you. That hurts you to win. And so that's the part of complimentary football. When you're a good football team, you play complimentary football. You don't get penalties. You don't turn the ball over. You get turnovers. Situationally, you're good. And then then you score in the red zone. In the last
4: 24, 48 hours, do you have an expectation that you might have some guys test back in Be, be available tonight?
3: Was close. No, not necessarily. I mean, again, they, there's there's the different rules that they have and the different numbers they have, and you can test in and get back and all this. There's a lot going on there. So I just kind of sat back and listened to Andre and Ryan uh, informing me on that. Justin lost another fumble tonight on the
4: scramble. As you try to continue to coach him down the stretch, what, what is your message there? I think it's five loss now on the, on the season.
3: Yeah, um kid get, did a good job of trying to make contact and get the ball out. Justin, he he understands ball security, he's smart with that and and he's going to continue to learn. Uh he is a weapon at times with being able to use him in his own run game, which that play was. Uh there, he he was reading the end and he pulled it. Then those guys are going to come for the football. And so we just got to be smart. He's the first guy that knows that he knew it when he's coming off the sideline. Um and and so he, you know, again um, there's going to be highs and lows throughout it, but that's a part of that. You just have to balance how much you do that.
4: A couple instances as well where, where he held the football mm-hmm. for big, a big loss when it maybe should have come out. But where are you in terms of getting him to speed up that clock?
3: Probably, <laughs> probably the same thing as as I'd say to, you know, any rookie quarterback is to, that's that's probably one that he's going to look at and say, you know, darn, I should have um, just at worst case, throw the ball away. and. You know, you, you can't go into a game like this with this defense they have on third down, and you cannot be in third and seven-plus. And we were in third and seven more more than that. You know, third and seven-plus a lot, and it's hard. So um, when if that's the case, you, you got to be better there. We do, and um, and stay away from that. And then when you get down there in the red zone, you got to score.
4: Man, this is, a, this is a repeat conversation we're having about the defense playing well enough for you guys to win mm-hmm. the last three years. To have to be an offensive-minded coach and have that asset of the great defense here. What yeah. is
3: self-evaluation for having the. Record? Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's you're when you get to a point of you know where you're at right now, you want to be able to you know you want to be able to to score more points. And uh, again, it's uh, it's complementary football, and we're not doing right doing that right now. And and uh, like you said, the last couple of years, it's been um, different reasons that we. Um, you know, grow and get better, and and try to grow and get better, and it starts with me, and it ends with me. You know, so I, I accept complete responsibility for that, and I think that's important to to understand. Um, and and I, uh, you know, you learn a lot through this process. And did you call placement? I did, yeah. How do you keep Justin motivated in games like this? And what kind of things are you looking for as positive signs of his, uh, his progression? Well, number one, Justin always stays positive. As as hard as it can be sometimes to want to stay positive in these moments. I think he is learning through these times that him personally, uh, the plays where he can get better, but the plays he does well too. Uh, it, this is going to be something for him, not just right now. Like it feels, you know, he's, out, he's had these games he's starting and playing, but this is going to be something that's going to continue with him next year and the year after. And then when he gets to that third and fourth year, that's when you're going to really start. It's going to be like, okay, this game's super slow, but it takes a little bit of time. So um, he understands that. He knows that. And, and every rookie in this sport wants it to happen overnight and it takes time. So Justin's built the right way. And, um, you know, he, he's going to be, he's going to be really, really good. Thank you. Good? All
4: right.
3: will be in here
4: next, and Thomas
1: so some quick takeaways from from that just a couple things one he looks like he's he was really emotional uh i i don't know whether that was just the cold weather turning his face red or his, his eyes looked like he'd he, he would have rather been anywhere in the world other than that um and, and, and two that's that's the most upfront i've ever heard him be about who was calling plays uh and so what does that mean you did, were you calling plays? yeah i called plays. No hesitation whatsoever. No, like, it's a collaborative effort where, you know, flip comes to me and it runs through me and then we talk about this and everyone kind of works together on the play call. He just – he out and out said I was calling plays. So I don't know what that means, if anything, <laughs> uh, that he was just – he was really quick to jump on that grenade and say I called that pitiful game. Um, like I said before, guys, if it doesn't happen tomorrow, I don't think it's going to happen at all, uh, at least until the end of the season. Um, but that, that looked like a guy that, you know, just that his, he, he, it sounded like he lost his voice too. It's like he was screaming the entire game and he just had nothing left in his voice. So, uh, I think that he is completely deflated. I, it looked like he had, he has, he has nothing left. He has nothing left to give this organization for, and you know, we could make a joke about that as far as what he's actually given the organization, but, uh, go ahead. at
2: At this, at this point, man, and I'm glad he said, it doesn't matter who was calling plays because the sad thing is they, you guys heard, they they released Breshawn Breeland this Saturday. He had an altercation, whatever. The the Vikings secondary was depleted just a little bit also. And we didn't attack the secondary until the, like, the end of the third quarter. Mm. And so it was just like, at some point in time, the defense gave the offense even more chances to score. What if the defense got scored on every single time without the penalty. Like the defense should have been off the field maybe five to ten minutes prior, but the defense gave the offense at least I want to say five extra offensive possessions. You would have think you've been warmed up to actually go and attack the field, attack, attack the soft spot, or something, or come up, come up, come up with something. And so I'm not I'm not mad because it is what it is. I'm not expecting him to turn to a genius overnight, but when we talk about trying to win a football game, you're frustrated. But like, what was the game plan? What, what like what was the game plan? What was the game plan when David Montgomery was going to get stuffed on every single draw play? There had to be like what, what what are we gonna what are we gonna go to? And so for um he that was the most real I heard him be, and um I kind of wish he would have gave um Jenkins a little bit more credit like yo, but um just in terms of protecting the quarterback because the damn referees weren't even protecting Justin Fields throughout the course mm-hmm. of the season, um but um I mean it is what it is man I mean.
4: It's over. <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's over. <laughs> oh no, I think you're muted. <laughs> 2021, we still not getting the hang
0: of Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It's uh everything is messed up including my audio. Um it uh it is what it is as Tyler said and I just You know, I feel for the guy. I really do. It is unfortunate that he's failed. This is probably has been his dream for the last 20 years is to be head coach of the Chicago Bears or an NFL team. And the the dream is blowing up on him. But he clearly is incompetent. You know, for the first time that that I ever saw, you know, Chicago sports writers and national broadcasters were saying, you know, things about Nagy that were very uncomplimentary. Some even saying, you know, fire this guy. And so um, it, it, it's, it's a sad ending to what started off in 2018 as a, you know a very promising start to a head coaching career. But there is no doubt at all that he is coaching his last few games and maybe even coached his last game.
1: Yeah, uh and i think you saw that tonight is it just from his body it just is for his his body language and the, the fact that this there was a bad offensive performance it was undisciplined across the board nine penalties for almost 100 yards like 91 yards there now a lot of those were questionable i i, I admit that but mm-hmm. uh it was just a team that looked like it was off the rails and we're having fun doing it and it would get shippy and aggressive. And like I said, it was actually a little more, it was a little more fun to watch uh, just because there was that edge to it and all props to the defense. But if we're being honest, how much does Matt Nagy really have to do with the defense? Not much. So the the things that he has control over the things that are struggling the most. So uh, yeah, if this wasn't his last game, he's at least going to enjoy his last month in Chicago. Well, maybe he won't enjoy it, but he's going to, he'll have at least one more month in Chicago.
2: I don't expect a coach to quit on his on his team, but it's like you you call the plays. Thank you for being honest. You gave it your all, and we got three points. I'm not that that, that are we going to cut the last touchdown, John? I don't want to really cut the last. We scored three points when it mattered. We scored three points. No. We could have We could have easily won that game, guys. Like guys, yeah. the deep, what 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 Akeem Hicks was doing. I mean, it was only two scores. We had a chance. Like the momentum was for, up for grabs in the middle of the third quarter. We were getting the stops, the block punt, like we yo, it was there for the take. I'm like, oh we're gonna freaking win this game, but but we but we couldn't do it. And so but what does that but what does that mean? Matt, hey, does Matt go to Ryan? And say Ryan, I can't do nothing. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I don't expect him to do that, but it's like, and that's probably is he emotional? Because he's like, damn, I did everything I could do. But how many more wide receiver screens? How many more wide receiver screens and not corner and slant, not corners and the slants. I mean just something. When they do the replays, I'm looking at the guys get open. I'm not even seeing guys get open.
1: Yep. Well, although I believe it's time for me to jump off. Yeah, I've said all I have to say, and and quite frankly, I mean, there's there's only so much you can say about the about this team anymore, at least from my point of view. You guys are gonna keep the keep the show going, but uh, I, I'm gonna jump off just because it is midnight here on the it East is. Coast, and I have to be up in like four hours. So, uh, just on uh, my parting shot will be. Enjoy what you can, Bears fans. We're gonna have a lot of good Bears programming coming on. Uh, before 55 on Wednesday, breaking down the Bears' next opponent. Uh, this I most I forgot, I said Chicago Bears, but they're playing they, sometimes it is Chicago Bears. It feels like we are playing against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Seattle Seahawks. See if we can, uh, we'll, get a we'll win take there. care of
0: all that, John. Get out of here. Come on, get out of here. I want to bring in it's, Danny Thurman. Oh, I gotta do I gotta do. Tyler,
2: um, all I'm gonna say is, man, um, what's up, Danny? What's up, brother so, Danny? guys? Um, I want to hear y'all talk about as we get out of here. Will we win a game the rest of the
1: season? Yeah,
5: that's sure that's. Yeah, you still, still playing Michael Evans Giants? You got to win a game. I'll right. listen to
1: that. To, I'll listen to that in the morning, fellas. I got to bounce out of. Here. <laughs>
5: that's right. no, we'll <laughs> thank somewhere.
1: you, thank you to everyone. Thanks, everybody for t- tuning in. Appreciate
0: you. Yeah. Tyler, you wanted to debate uh, Danny on something.
2: I think we're gonna agree. <laughs> I think we're gonna agree. I don't think. Dan, Danny, real quick, what were your thoughts about tonight, brother?
5: Oh, uh, guys, honestly, uh, um, I'm embarrassed. I mean, they, they, we're on national television, and this is what what they're gonna gonna produce. Uh, I'm mean, de- Hats off to the defense. Uh, you know, everyone was kind of like going back and forth. You know, before the game, about losing the our our defensive backfield. And I was going to tweet out before the game, I'm like, I mean, other than Jalen Johnson and, you know, DHC, the Carson, maybe Eddie Jackson, who the hell do you are you going to miss? And I think the guys tonight, the young guys, Thomas Graham, it took COVID for Thomas Graham to get on the freaking field. He was on, he was on a practice squad all season long. You know, why is it, you know, you've been struggling at, at, at corner, right? You, you, you've been putting Ari Burns, a, you know, a, a, a former first-round pick who's who's been coming off injuries and, and not performing great. And then you, you know, put in kill Vildur there and you've been just looking for competition this guy sitting on your practice squad and he had like three terrific plays today aggressive in terms of his his downhill run defense teased haber a firmer a former second round pick of the lions a a highly touted cornerback converted to safety coming downhill aggressive wrapping up tackling i hadn't seen those safeties come down bear safeties come down and tackle that hard with that that much aggression all season long i'm like you got to try. You, you got to challenge these guys in terms of bringing these guys. You know, even if they're on the practice squad, give them some play. Give these guys something to, to think about. The starters, that is. And and I think those guys. Hats off to the defense. Uh, Akeem Hicks was a man out there. Uh, the guy was dominating. Uh, you know, you know, offensive lineman at, at the line of scrimmage. This is why I think Akeem Hicks is a key if you're going to keep this. You know, keep this core of this defense here next season. And I know this is the last year of his contract, and it was up there in age. Uh, but, man, I, I just when that guy's healthy and he and he's going full cylinder, he's just eating up blockers. Even if he's not, you know, pressuring the quarterback. I think he got two sacks today. He's just up there eating blockers, and he just, he's you know, drawing all this attention. And I think, you know, again, I think he's a guy that if you could resign him, I, I would love to bring him back. Again, we got to see what the core of his defense is going to look you know, going into next season. But I'm just embarrassed. Offensively, that, you know, four or five possessions into the red zone and you come out with 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 uh, just three points, that, that is embarrassing. I mean, uh, that one fourth and, and one. Where they look all, you know, flustered, confused, and you know, Matt Nagy was calling plays, right? Because the offense was, the, the timing was off in terms of the plays coming in. Justin Fields twice or three times, I saw Justin Fields doing this motion in the huddle, saying, "Give me that play again, okay?" Because Matt Nagy is as a spaz back there, he just kind of throws, you know, the, the words in, and, and he's gonna have to kind of re-listen, rehash that that play call into his head again. Um, that, that was a, that was just an embarrassing display of of offense in terms of. Dude, you're fourth and one, this is a critical moment in, into this, this game here. Call timeout, Matt Nagy. Call timeout, regroup. You know, Dave Montgomery had to leave the game because of a, a, a helmet malfunction, according to the, what the TV broadcaster said. And all of a sudden, you know, Justin Fields turns around, don't know who he's supposed to be in the backfield. He's running out of a, a pattern. It was just that the whole play was a disaster. And I know people were saying, oh, he's just throwing up in the backfield. I think Cole Komet or might have been Jimmy Graham in the, in the, back, in the end zone. It was open there, one on one with the with with defender, but it was like the guy's running for his life, trying to find someone to get a, you know, it's a, a one yard. Didn't see him in the back the end zone. Even that play would have would have been possibly an incompletion. I mean, Jimmy Graham got hit in the hands in the in, in the end zone. He dropped that ball as well. So, just a total embarrassment on 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 offense. And I think this is if this wasn't Matt Maggie's you know, last game, um, which I, I don't I don't think it is, but. I'm gonna go with my my guy Aldo here. I know he's 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 rooting for, but Aldo he gave you that passion today. He gave you that fire. He gave you that passion. You've been calling for it. He, he put did. it on display today. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean it's, it's just it's just embarrassing, man. Uh, to me, it's just just embarrassing watching those guys on offense. Defense, hats off. They they bailed their ass off. Uh, you know the, the Vikings have uh, you know and I know they're down Adam Thielen, but you know Justin Jefferson is is quickly ascending to. If not a top 5 maybe top 3 receiver in this league and they they pretty much shut him down for the for the whole game yeah one that, that one touchdown which again uh, d- uh the Deon Bush you have you're playing inside leverage you have a safety to your inside why is that you should be covering that outside corner cuz you already had that safety to the inside you can if he beats you to the inside you got a safety why are you playing inside leverage with a safety to your to your left you should be covering that corner route you know again Gets get beat like a drum. Easy touchdown for Justin Jefferson. That, that's early on in the first quarter, but it, Oops. <laughs> it, it was just. It was just. You know, something's just you know, a communication breakdown in the defensive backfield again. But again, those guys are young. Those guys. A lot of those guys are making their first. You know, NFL starts. So I, I'll give them a, a little bit of a, a leeway there. But offensively, disaster. It was just an embarrassment in terms of. You know, this is supposed to be our offensive. A coach guy, the the players are coming in late. The, the 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 players don't know what the hell they're doing, where to line up. You know, we have a rookie Justin Fields lining veterans up in terms of telling where where to line up, where to stand, and all that stuff. So, uh I just I'm, I'm tired of seeing these guys on national television go out there and just just you know really you know what the bed and, and embarrass Chicago with, with the way they're performing on offense. And I'm not talking about defense; I'm talking about offense. Right, it's it's a
0: mess. It's a it's a, it appears. You know, Olin Cruz said this about two, three weeks ago that his experience when a team has a terrible record is that the first people to quit are the coaches because they know my head coach is not going to be here next year. So that means I got to start looking for a job. So he he, his perception was is that the co- coaches then get sloppy with game plans, that they get sloppy with disciplining the players, that they do all sorts of mistakes You know, in those last two, three, four weeks of the season when they know they're playing for a lame duck coach, which is another reason why George McCaskey and the Chicago Bears organization should have announced a change in the head coaching position weeks ago. Even Lewis Riddick brought it up during the broadcast where he said they should have addressed that Nagy situation in Thanksgiving, which was if it was leaked out that it was true, they should have announced, no, it's not true because we just fired him uh, five minutes ago you know, correct the situation somehow aggressively with stance and leadership, But no, the Bears hid, they didn't talk to the the media, they let poor Dave Taub come out and be the first one from the Bears organization to answer questions on whether the head coach had been fired or was promised to be fired. It's just an organizational mess. And so that organizational mess seeps down. You know, the trickle-down theory, uh, Tyler, you're a business guy, that trickle-down theory, that's what happens. It trickles all the way down to the general manager, to the coaching staff, to the uh, assistant coaches and then player performance and it's it's unless it's fixed at the top at the very very top george mccaskey announcing that he's hired an executive vice president and when that we hear the name we go whoa now we're talking baby and that guy says i'm building everything in my image Trust me, I'm going to lead you out of the football hell that you're in and lead you to a Super Bowl. That's what we need. But see, do you, out, is
5: McCaskill going to hire the guy going to make you go, ooh, wow, or is going to make you go, oh, no, not that guy? <laughs> no, that's the question. Is, is Do you trust McCaskey to make the right hire? No, of course not. So how can we get uh,
0: McCaskey to give the range to the three of us and John, we'll let John in too to make the next hire. Yeah, that's the thing. And so ideally I'm at a point now where I wish the Chicago Bears would sell the franchise and, you know, sell it to somebody who knows how to run a multi-billion dollar franchise who knows how to build a team. God bless the McCaskey families. They at least the, the the family. They at least gave us the nineteen eighty five uh, Super Bowl. But now it is time to say goodbye. The, that
5: the, one thing I'm, the one thing I'm tired is is I'm tired of undisciplined, dumb penalties. You know, a, a time and time again, you you just want a defense thought they had them off off the you know off the field, and all of a sudden there's there's a you know Travis Gibson or there's another you know another, another player getting to a shoving match. Even Matt Nagy got a got a. uh uh, on like penalty t- today as he well did. so it's like the, these dumb uh, you know unforced penalties um you know the, these these personal fouls it's just undisciplined you know bad football team uh, you know, bad coach football team is its what they're putting out, you know, on national television. And, and for me, as, as, a, as a diehard Bears fan, guy who grew up rooting for this team, you know, would want this team to, to be successful. is just hard to watch week in and week out. At, at some point, you're just going to, you know, after that play, I tweeted out, I'm like, that fourth and one disaster. I was like, other than just laughing. I don't yeah. know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know <laughs> what the what was going on here or what, whatsoever. But uh that's the thing. It's like it's like wow. you need change is coming. I, I think I think it was evident, right? Because if, if anybody had any doubt that there was change gonna come, this ESPN crew was all over it tonight. From I think mm. every single one of them talked about it multiple, multiple times. And I'm like, oh, there's rumors from the note. This is like change is coming. So I think they know that something's going up. I think Matt Nagy may may know he's gonna he's gonna be gone as well. So uh, it's it just going to be a, a curious next couple of weeks to see what happens here.
2: He
0: knows, right? Tyler, he knows.
2: I mean, make the announcement. Stop keeping us in anxiety. They keep making us think that he's coming back. If, they, if you're, that, you're making us think you're going to keep him, which will be like, oh, my gosh, like what, what would that be like? So just make the announcement. Give the fans something, a reason to buy merchandise. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I mean, sales would go up. Give us something that you give a dang about how we feel over here. I mean, we're, we're filling up your stadium. That, yo, the, the stadium was packed. Stadium was loud. Stadium stadium was loud. I mean, yelling and cheering for every single sack.
0: And I never means, heard it. I didn't hear a fire neggy chant. That was I, uh,
2: I mean, I just think that it was all laughing and giggles. And, and they even laughed when Justin Fields started to complete five passes in a row. They were like, okay, so where was this in the first half? When mm-hmm. you talked about the Justin Jefferson touchdown, guess what? That was in the first five minutes of the game. We mm-hmm. couldn't score ten more points to match what they did the rest of the game,
5: and, <laughs> and they were driving, Tyler. They were driving on the on the on the Vikings' defense up yeah. and down the field. And when he got into the red zone, it's like, well, stop sign, stop. you know, dump penalties, awful throws, you know, just you know, illegal formation, holding calls. And next thing you know, they're either missing field goals or they're out of field goal range. It's it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm.
2: Reminds me of a movie called Blue Chips
5: with Shaq. Yeah, with Shaq Nick Nolte and Shaq and, and, and a young Kenny Hardaway. I love
0: that movie, it's one of the best sports movies that never gets mentioned.
5: Ooh. got mentioned <laughs> yeah.
0: here. Um, I'm checking to see if just oh, there he is, Justin is just, at the podium. Huh? The Hold
6: on, shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, I think we did that you're starting with me with the bumble um, and you know, the first, first quarter, quarter so, so um. I think we think just we have to correct, correct those things, things, correct the, uh, you know, self-made, self-made mistakes, mistakes and get rid of them. them. And I think we are gonna ball game, game tonight. So, so just shooting shoot ourselves in the foot and, um, and, you know, we just have to correct it. What was supposed to have on that 4-1 and where did things go wrong? They just started, started well. well.
4: I mean, we called,
6: called the, play the play and play they played it's a good defense. Just, it's just that simple, um, but, yeah. But yeah. No, so the, nah, nah. the, the play was so meant for Mooney, but they were in cover too. Corner sat on and it, and he didn't move, but, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I had an opportunity to go, go a little high-low, but, you know, at the, the, of course, course, at the perfect time, time when Mooney was open, was open, I wasn't you know, looking. I was looking for the over coming around. But, yeah, I mean, they just, know, caught up a great distance for that play. What kept you from throwing it in that instance? What did you see that they kept
4: you from throwing it down there?
6: Well, I wasn't looking at it when he was open. And then when I looked back at him, he was covered. So it's just timing of football. So
4: he wasn't the first read?
6: He was the first read. The corner was there, cover two. So in cover two, the corner has a flat defender. He's responsible for the flat. Darnell's running to the flat. So he sees Darnell running right there. take my eyes to the corner, take my eyes to the over route. And when I took my eyes to the corner and the over route, the corner backed off a little bit. Then when I got back to Mooney, the corner came back. So again, like I know that next time uh, if I see cover two off rip and just boom, go low, high, low, right right down, get the corner to move back and then hit moving the flat. But uh, that's just the instance where you learn.
4: Justin, that's obviously life in the NFL, but how frustrating is it when you play like that? You guys, I'm sure, have repped it tons of times. You had your different options, and they just have the right defense for
6: it. I mean, yeah, it's football. Um, you know, you win some, you lose some. Um, I think that's the name of the game. So. Um, We've got to give credit to them. At the end of the day, it can't just be all us. But um, again, um, I think overall, I think that we did shoot ourselves in the foot with turnovers and penalties. And I think if we get rid of those, then we win the ball game. But um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, you do have to get the defense, you know, credit sometimes that they're going to, you know, try to play well. So.
4: Justin, what do you think of Trevor uh, um, Jenkins kind of standing up for you on that
6: late hit? What do you think that? Yeah, I told him um, I like what he did there um, and I appreciate him. But but at the same time, he's he's, he's got to be smart. But, I mean, I definitely love the mindset, and I love, you know, him sticking up for me. I mean, I think, you know, that's what we need more of. But um, I just told him, you know, I, I love it, but just do it, you know, between the whistle. Hey, Justin, you and I taking a number
4: of hits before the one in the end zone where you went to, up to the ref. What, what did you tell the
6: ref that got the flag ultimately? I don't know if he saw me take a knee. So I told him I took a knee because uh, the snap count was messed up. So I took a knee, and then I stood up and then Buddy hit me, so I don't think he saw that. So I was just trying to relate it to him because I don't think he was about to call a flag for, you know, but um, I, that that's pretty much what I was trying to say to him. It's just I took an he then Buddy body slammed me, so, yeah. That's
2: the one that fourth down throw to Darna Mooney in the
6: corner. Did you feel that you put enough air on that pass or you put too much air, do you think he did enough words it to been a catch? You am talking about the one where his foot, like he caught it, yeah. but he was out of bounds. She
4: was probably
6: done. Uh, I think I put the ball in a place where the only place you could go. I mean, um. It just sucks that his foot didn't get in.
4: Do you ever feel like you uh, start to press a little bit as the game goes on and things aren't clicking like, like they were tonight? Like, you kind of settled down and then maybe a a little bit early, feel like that happens at the end of games? Nah,
6: we actually uh, tend not to do that. So, uh, you know, it's, it's happened so many times, situations where you're down and players begin to press, but, you know, you can't press, you can't play like you're down because you're not going to, you know, get 14 backs, 14 points back in one drive. So you just got to play each play and uh, make, you know, each play a positive play, and,
4: um, yeah. just in late the first half, you had a third down throw to Montgomery along the left side. I was right before the field goal got blocked. What going wrong there? Was, it, was it David where he was supposed to be? It seemed
6: like... Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, Yeah, Uh, you know, I, that route is supposed to be at eight yards. I think he ran it at eight yards, and I did the footwork, the correct footwork timing for that throw. But I told David after that play, that's, that's on me and him for not repping that, you know, in, in practice and getting that timing down because he's running it slower than the receivers do. So if that was a receiver out there on that side, that's the completion of first down. But that's on me and him for, uh, you know, not getting those extra reps in practice. And I told him directly after that drive, I was like, that, that's on me and you because we weren't on the same page right there. But um, at the end of the day, I should have known that was a uh, running back and, you know, he doesn't do routes on air with us. So uh, I just put the ball on him. But again, that's a timing throw. So I'm not waiting him for waiting for him to get out of his break. I'm anticipating where, where he's going to break.
4: Keep playing out there because they're so depleted at the receiver
6: position? Uh, no, that's, that was just the formation we were in,
4: yeah. Justin, so at this point in the season, I love you continue to try to get better in every aspect of your game. What are you most confident about in your game right now?
6: I think outside the pocket, I think. Um, I think I, I do pretty well there. Um, and I think when we, like, do no huddle plays, I think our offense is very efficient doing that um just because we know those plays um you know it's it's literally no thinking we line up and and run those plays and i know where you know all the answers are to whatever coverage they give us to you know those hurry up and and uh, hurry up offense so um, i think you know that kind of gets our offense in a rhythm so that point you guys kind of had a stretch like that where
4: you hit a few in a row one of them was the throw up the middle to Cole what did you see on that throw and, and talk about the ball placement on that
6: one. yeah we just had a 3 by 1 4 versus cover 2 and Cole was one on one with the mike backer so and that safety split and one we on one with the mike backer i mean and that Mike Becker has his back turn. That's that's the route I saw in there. So I just put it up for Cole and of course made it, Cole made a great catch on that. So yeah. Justin,
4: after this defense tonight, what benefits do you think that's gonna have in the next couple of weeks? You know, it's gotta be still fresh.
6: Kind of uh yeah. I actually think they didn't do much of the stuff that you know we studied on film. I think they played a lot more shell this game. So um I think I'm gonna expect, you know, what we were expecting to see this game, next game, more blitzing and stuff like that. But they didn't really bring that much pressure this game.
4: Throughout the
6: year, you've had drives that looked good and then they the other night, five penalties more turnovers. Mm-hmm. That's been the story. That's That's been the story of the year, for sure. I mean, you know, it's just shooting ourselves in the foot. And once we eliminate those penalties, you know, sacks on my part where I should just throw the ball away, throw the ball, you know, down to the ground. Once we eliminate those, then, you know, we start seeing more points come up on the board and, you know, more success from, you know, the whole team. I thought the defense played great tonight and they put us in a position to win.
4: It's still happening this
6: long into the season. It's, it's frustrating. yeah, it's 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 frustrating at this point, and especially with the uh, you know false starts, um, just just everything. I mean, we're gonna have to come up with something—a punishment during practice, run a lap or something. Because that's what we did at Ohio State. If you jumped outside, you run a, a whole lap. I don't care who you are. So they even had me run laps if I would, would do something wrong. But um, we're gonna have to do something to fix that. And um, you know, I know whatever that is, I know everybody's gonna be on board with it, and.
4: We're gonna get a fix. Appreciate it.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You're on mute.
2: Although you're on mute. There you go. Almost.
0: Um he sounded like a leader, right? He did. That was impressive. Uh to after a tough defeat like that come out there and talk about plays analytically. Right, right. Uh, the design of the play, what went wrong and so forth, and then to come up with discipline uh, for players who make mistakes, jumping off sides, false starts and stuff, that to me sounds like a leader. So yeah. now what he's got to do is back it up with his
5: play. You, you can see him taking more of a command leadership role on offense. And, and obviously I think I agree with you, although once he becomes more comfortable and he, he starts he starts putting up the plays on the field, uh, I think that's just going to naturally come to him. The kid just been natural a leader wherever he's gone in terms of high school, in terms of college, so on and so forth. So, you know, him breaking down that play analytically, the, 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 the throw to to Mooney where he said where the corner was at, what kind of safety, you know, what kind of defense they're in, and then how he missed it. Next time now he knows that, boom, hit Mooney right away in the flat, let him go and make a play, get that one yard, get that first down. That's something I like there as well that I like too. And then then talking about – you know, yeah, I think I don't know if he was serious about the, making guys run laps, but there, there, there's an issue in terms of these guys, you know, ball starts, you know, jumping off sides and so on and so forth. I mean, Daz Newsom, rookie, uh, I like the kid's potential, but he li- literally lined up off sides in his formation. Now, that sure never happened. You just look at the football. You should see where your foot's at. There's even times you, you you look at the at the side judge and you, you kind of point to him, make sure he lines up correctly. that that receiver should never line up off sides but again another just just dumb penalties that this team just has especially on offense and you know but the one thing but two things i got to talk about justin in terms of you know critiquing him and criticizing him ball security although you and i have talked about ball security in the pocket when he's when he's back there it easily gets stripped out of his hand and also when you're running with the ball you got to be a a running back you got to up high and tight hold on to that football that that penalty that fumble uh was really costly in terms of early on that football game you know the, the the vikings had just scored bears were kind of moving the ball and all of a sudden boom pops up ball over to, to minnesota and we're talking about momentum all the time right there that momentum went back to to minnesota there so that's something he's got to work on ball security and then he takes in this game he took too many sacks he took sacks where he could have got rid of the football and just you know thrown up there that fourth and one play you took a sack there. The, the the ball the the play broke down. But you know what? At, at that point, just throw the ball up there. It's fourth and one. It's it's it, this is this is make or break right now. Do something. Make a play. You throw it up. You never know. You, you could draw a pass interference on a defender and get a, get an easy cheap first down, or holding on a defender and just get a cheap easy first down. So. Took too many sacks tonight, and in ball security, those are two things I'm going to criticize him for, and those are things that he needs to clean up and continue to get better. But some of the things he talked about are things that we talk about rookies. You know, when you get more reps, you kind of go through this stuff and a learning process. The breakdown of that that play where he talked about the defender and, and and where he was lined up, that's something that I expect him to get better at with more reps. And the next time, uh, if that you know if it ever presents itself again, I expect him to go ahead and convert that play.
2: The way he articulated. The, the recent experience, okay? Because first of all, that's a rookie, okay? We 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 ask our head coach please give us something tangible. That's act- give us something that we can actually have a thought about. Our mm-hmm. rookie quarterback just came out here and articulated what he messed up on and how he's gonna get better. I'm excited for this young man to get the right type of leadership around him. I'm excited for this man to have a medicine ball because this, all, all the great running backs have fumbles. Marshawn Lynch, all the guys had fumbles. Ezekiel Elliott, all these guys have fumble problems, right, Danny? And so in the yeah. offseason, I'm pretty sure he'll have the big medicine ball carrying around with him and everything, I'm pretty sure. And so the fact that he was able to articulate that, I'm like, man, wow. I just want to get this guy a good coach. I want to get him a good coach. Not saying if we got Leftwich tomorrow or Bruce Arians tomorrow, but at least Justin could, could get around somebody who can develop him to make quarterback decisions and quarterback moments. Because when the game is on the line, the first three quarters doesn't matter. We had three quarters and we couldn't score a touchdown. But in the fourth quarter, we still were in the red zone. We still had over four, three, three chances to score and we couldn't do it. And so, but but, but what he just talked about is why it's gonna come back to the quarterback coach, the system. He said that defense didn't do anything different than they saw on
5: film, but yet they couldn't take advantage of it. The other thing you said, Tyler, was he said he likes it when they go hurry up. And we saw it, right? When they go hurry up, he hit like four or five passes in a row. So if you're the coach and you know your quarterback likes hurry up, why are you not, are you not running hurry up more, more so in the game other than just like one, once or twice here and there? Run more, hurry up! You know, we saw a little bit more rollouts tonight okay. in, in terms of when Nagy calling the plays. Okay, continue the rollouts. He says he's comfortable with rollouts. Let's go more, hurry up! Let's get, let's do things that he likes to do that he's comfortable in. You need put points on the board. You know, three points ain't gonna cut it. You know, you got to get points on the board. And if you're if your quarterback, your leader on the offense is telling you, I'm comfortable going, hurry up! I'm comfortable rolling out. Damn it! You just keep running that shit over and over again because you need to put up points on the board.
0: Yeah, I got um, that play where Danny was referring to on the slide by uh, Justin Fields. I've got that queued up. Let me see if I can uh, put it up on the screen so we can talk about it. Commentators were talking about how Fields has got to, when he slides, be like a plank as opposed to the letter L because he's leaving that upper body uh, exposed. I'll try to freeze it right at the point of impact right there. As you can see, if he were planked, he would have never suffered that head injury and the reason i wanted to show that is because i'm starting to get a little worried at the amount of hits this guy is taking i mean this is like on that jay cutler level when jay had nobody around them remember those nine sacks in the first half against the giants and this short amount of time that Fields has been playing, I'm, I'm starting to feel that he's a tackling dummy. I mean, now, some of it is his fault because he's holding on to the ball too long because he, that, the play that we just saw, he didn't slide properly. Uh, but nonetheless, whatever, are you guys concerned at the amount of hits he's been taking or a, 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 am I nuts?
2: I do the, Real quick, that play right there, the guy should have been ejected because he was sliding. He, he was going down. Mm-hmm. The, even, even the, the defender got low as possible and still led with his helmet to hit his helmet. Mm-hmm. And so even though just it could have laid back, it could have been, it could have been like a, a flat, still like that play shouldn't have happened. Um, mm-hmm. but to your point, I am concerned because one concussion could change everything. We're talking sure. about, I mean, he's he's a young man. I mean his body's still developing. I don't think his eyesight is permanent yet. He's, <laughs> he's, he's still growing up, and so like his bone structure. I mean, still comes from the college ranks. I mean, this offseason, he'll put on muscle mass. We talked about that with the NFL diet and everything, NFL routine and everything. But absolutely concerned with that, um, especially from the um, offensive line position. He is holding on to the ball too long. I get nervous when he's twisting and turning because we. I want to avoid knees and ankle injuries. And that's what those things happen when you start. It's either he's getting twisted up or he's getting hit in the head. That particular slide, yes, he could have back, but that guy – I. I, I don't think he was trying to do it on purpose, but he, he did get ejected. But, like, bro, why did you even try that? Because there was nowhere that you could have hit him. But why? Why He was going down. <laughs> like, you you, you, aim, you hit him in his helmet. And so that, mm-hmm. that was silly. But Justin definitely needs to be more careful. But, like, again, if it's drilled into you during the week, hot route, hot route, hot route. Throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, like Danny said. Throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. Something, we got to be have some type of preventative maintenance.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the kid's still playing with crack ribs from all we know, right? So that's the thing is, like, the more he gets hit, the the more I I, I do worry. Uh, you know, for a guy who's played baseball before, his slides scare the hell out of me. You know, typically these, these baseball players, former ex-baseball players, you know, they can slide. And, and Justin can slide, but there's a good example there. He was a little bit, you know, he kind of pops up right away, and that's where these defenders come in, and they kind of smack him right there. So mm-hmm. get down. If, if you can, just get out of bounds. Try not to take any any hits at all. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, for for me, it's just just when he slides, it just I always cringe because like like Tyler says, there's there's a couple times. Actually, there was again a slide today where he kind of slid and hit it, land on his knees and rolled his ankle. And I was early, like, oh.
0: early in the game, yes. yeah. I'm
5: like, I'm like, stop doing those, just just, it, just it's get like down. He
0: didn't decide whether to he's keep running
5: or slide. Yeah, in yeah, between. he's in, in between. Yeah, and and that's like it's like. If you're gonna slide, just slide, man. Get out of dodge way. Get out of harm's way. You, you have those ribs that you, that you're still kind of dealing with there as well. So the one thing that that I have noticed over the the course of the season is is the less sacks are in the in the pocket. Now he's doing a better job of getting away from the pressure, escaping. You know, to his left, to his right. So that could, that could be some of that as well. But what he's got to do is is when he's running out and he's and he's running out of you know he's running towards the the, the sideline there and he's running out of area in, in terms of you know trying to you know run around and make some plays. There's gotta be times where you just get rid of the football, you know. Unless it's a fourth down situation where you're gonna have to try and make a play. If it's a second or you know the first second down, get rid of the football. Let's let's move on to the next play. You know, do not try and make something happen or take a hit, an unnecessary hit or a sack when you don't have to. He had uh, 14 dropbacks
0: where he was under pressure and completed 44% of those passes for only three and a half yards. When he was kept clean in the pocket, he had 8.5 yards per attempt. For seventy-three percent completion percentage, this is uh, courtesy of Pro Football Focus. Now they put th- together these things very quickly, so there's uh, probably an error there or two. But nonetheless, it gives you kind of an indication that if if given time, if this guy, if Ryan Pace or whoever the next general manager is builds an offensive line that gives this kid time, he's going to complete a high percentage of passes, and they're going to be for close to first down on on average. So. And then, no, does that, that take
5: a, effect, effect? How many drop passes yet? You know, we had you know, he had, you know of receivers drop passes. We had Damir Burr drop that that fourth down. We had yeah. Jimmy oh. Graham drop that touchdown. Yeah, uh, you know, P- Peterson Cole made a nice. <laughs> Cole Comet dropped best you know balls as well. So, uh, you know, we had that that one uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Graham. Peterson made a nice play to kind of front him and get in front of him and kind of distract him. But still, he should come down with that football. That that's what you do, Jimmy Graham. You know, come down with those t- jump ball kind of situations. So, you yeah. know, we had three or four off the top of my head I can think of just just flat out drops by the receivers as well. So um, you know, that that's the one thing is is, you know, he needs to get help from his receivers. I know Allen Robinson wasn't out there. Um, you know, so pretty much it was Darnell Moody and, and Cole Komet, but uh and then then and then obviously, you know, Jakeem Grant getting hurt early on with a concussion that also kind of gave away or took away your your one speed playmaker on offense as well. So um it's, it's just it was just again the offense looked horrible. Uh, to, to the point where, where it's it's embarrassing to be honest with you, and watching this team play offensively. And this is what Matt Nagy was brought in here to do. He was here to fix the offense. And you know, although you and I have talked about it, Tyler, you and I have talked about it as well. You know, other than the first eight or seven games of his of his first season in 2018, this offense has has been broken since then, and it, it just doesn't look any good at all.
0: Uh, Tyler, are you with this opinion that uh, Jesper Horster should be given more uh, opportunities and maybe uh, say goodbye to Jimmy I Graham? Know. I mean, <laughs> I am mean, a, a, a
2: thousand percent, a thousand percent. I mean, I follow him on Instagram. He's just, he's just, he's just that guy that in behind the scenes is always working, and he who wants a chance. And I love guys like that. And so he should definitely get more opportunity. He's willing to put his body on the line. He jumped up, got the ball at the highest point with control. I mean, basics. We're talking about basics that this third string, fourth string is doing well. Preseason superstar to showing up when he gets opportunities in the offense. Hopefully he's going to be playing somewhere next year. He's going to be playing somewhere next year. Um, we just don't know what our leadership is going to look like. And when we talk about Allen Robinson and Akeem Hicks, those guys are probably like, well, I don't know if I want to resign because I don't know if this is going to be the same culture now. All right. And, and so, like, if I'm the players, I'm just like, I'm just trying to get some good tape if I can. And, but I'm gonna wait for you. who y'all go who you guys gonna bring in to play offense. If they bring in the right type of people, ooh, I'm gonna wanna play with y'all. Why not? Because we have players that can play, but you gotta put put them in position. You gotta put them in position. If you don't know how to move a queen, if you don't have if you don't know how to move your queen in chess, you're not gonna really do well, you're not gonna do well it's period. this right.
5: The, the one thing for me in, in terms of in terms of horse set, yeah, I want to see him play more. There's a lot of guys I want to see him play more. We saw Thomas Graham come in today and make plays. We saw uh, uh, Tease Tabor playing safety. We saw him making some plays today as well. So I, I want to see. But unfortunately, with this coaching staff and this head coach, unless the veteran gets hurt or is out for the year, we don't see these young guys given opportunities to come in and step up and make plays. So now, maybe they're not doing anything in practice to catch his eye. But you know what, you know, that has made plays in, in games in both preseason and regular season. You know, he went up there, he made that, you know, I know it didn't count, but if he made that, that that touchdown, you know, a contestant touchdown catch in the end zone at the end of the game. That's one that, that uh, Jimmy Graham dropped, right? So, you know, at, at one point, do we just say, all right, this year is done with, you already have 10 losses. Let's look towards the future. I know you're not. You might not be here, Matt Nagy, and, and his coaching staff. But you know what? Let's 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 see what we got here in terms of some some of these young guys. And let's give them an opportunity, right? We saw it tonight on defense. Let's see some of these young guys on offense come in and, and play here as well. So, you know, I, I want to see Horser play more. I want to see Daz Newsom play more. I want to see, you know, a bunch of these guys just come in and see what they could do here as, uh, on offense, especially. This is that
0: play that uh, Danny referenced earlier. The fourth down and one play where it was just the. Uh, it just looked like the you know a bunch of toddlers here you know, running around. <laughs> they, they couldn't get lined up properly. there There's Mooney going right. left. Uh, maybe that was part of the play. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was not not pretty.
5: so that that's where he talks about there. He goes when he comes around the play was designed for Mooney, he saw that corner sitting in cover two, right there looking at Mooney. And then when he kind of looked away from Mooney, that corner, if you see, he drops back a little bit, and then he wants to he wants, you, wants you to go back to Mooney. And now the corner starts going back towards winning again So that's why he kind of held on to the football and and yeah I, I, you know fourth and one this is where you just kind of throw the ball up and, and see what happens i mean because you it's if like I said, you took a sack there balls turned over that's where you kind of just kind of make something happen it just you know, hope and pray that uh, you know a receiver makes a play the uh, defender makes a you know a, a mistake in terms of uh holding or maybe maybe a pass interference and that's what you got to do there you just can't just take a sack there
2: but that's what, yeah. but but, that, but is it on the play caller? It's fourth. Oh, no, no, no
5: doubt, dude. He should have called a timeout. The coach like, should call I mean, a timeout. I mean, that,
2: that, that play should not have no. gone through. <laughs>
5: no. no, no, no. They should have called a timeout and said, you know what? Right. You know, we're not set. Our, our our running backs came off. It's a fourth and one. Right. Maybe this play is not the greatest play in the world. It's not. Yeah, no, I and agree it with was you a, there. It,
2: it was the third quarter. It was still the third quarter. We still had, we were still battling. We just got the ball back. And so it's just like, yo, come up with a better play. Come up, come up with a I'd rather David Montgomery get stuffed. I'd rather right. David get stuffed on right. that. Or like, let me see David or somebody, let me get Herbert try to beat somebody to the edge than right, that.
5: Just do a quarterback sneak Something and, like and get, a, get one yard. But I, I think that might have been after the Deion Bush interception. I'm not exactly like, sure what, when that play happened, when that series happened, but it's like you got momentum here. It's it's a two-score right. game. You continue that drive, you get down, you, you, you get a touchdown, next time it's a one one score game, and, and you know, now you're in it again. That's, that was a huge play in in, in the game. And when, when you see your offense kind of fumbling around, we just saw them right there lining up all weird and, and moving not sure where go, time out. Call timeout. Take control. Calm everybody down, and run a run a better play. Obviously, but but at least run your play, you know, with with, with more you know uh, you know more calmness in, in in the huddle and and at the line of scrimmage.
0: A lot of talk in the chat room about the play of Tevin Jenkins. Danny, you and I were going to do a bare truth last week, and you were going to review the Jenkins play. You weren't too impressive with him last week. Yeah. Yeah. Did he impress you a little bit more this week?
5: Well, the thing about with, with Jenkins is, is you know, I've been on record in terms of I didn't like the the move up to get the kid. I I, I thought you know it, it, was, it was a and, and then plus if, if you're gonna pick him, I don't think I see him as a left tackle anyway. But the kid was thrown into an unfair situation coming off of a, of, of a back injury, uh, thrown into the uh, to fire really uh, with no help. I mean I mean there are, there are times that that, that running backs with Chip and Lee, but most of the time that guy was one on one and I and I, the entire you know bear nation was was you know kind of pounding him i didn't want to do a tape session and, and kind of show him you know go off and, and and get hurt there but you know i think today uh he had a better representation right so what what, what i liked about him today was he was getting to his set spots and pass protection uh you know much better much fluidity than, than what he was against the packers now again he wasn't going up against the the, the top Edge rushers for the Vikings. Uh, Their the top edge rusher, obviously, Everson Griffin, is is on you know medical leave, and then Daniel Hunter has, has been out for the rest of the season. So, but still, the the Vikings do present you know some some you know examples of a pass rush. I think they're they're leading the NFL in terms of sacks on, on the quarterback. So they, they they give you some some pressure up front. So I think there he held up well. There were the four penalties on him. A lot of them were procedural penalties. There was the the, the false start that kind of took him from a short uh, a third and one or fourth and one to a fourth and six or third and six. So you know he's still a rookie. He's still battling, and again on a spot that I don't think he's fully comfortable with. So uh, a little bit better showing today than obviously what he what he you know went against in, in terms of the Packers. Uh, obviously you know yeah, better, a better little bit pass better pass rusher against uh, against the Packers there as well. So you know he played better today not great uh but still much better representation than what he did all week ago you got high hopes for him right tyler
2: i do i do this is one of me and danny's original arguments before the season started mm-hmm. was about this about this guy i but i like his mean streak. i mean like john talked about uh, give me an angry tevin jenkins because we have all these other guys who could be technically sound but they're playing soft and so like at the end of the day at least Tevin right now first of all thank goodness he's healthy he's healthy and he's getting experience um, what I saw, even when he lost leverage for me, Danny, I saw him try to go back and get contained. And I like that because that shows me that the guy's not giving up on the play. Then you got the Justin Fields thing, a guy, a rookie, defending his his, his fellow rookie. That, and
5: that so, got points with me. I, I, I love seeing that in my offensive yeah, line. Yeah,
2: and so that's somebody who tells me he wants to be a part of this, therefore he's going to work on his craft. I have every inclination, and now that he's fully healthy in his back, then everything that you were pointing out, he's going to work on during this offseason. I have high hope because we need somebody. We need a physical leader on that front line. It has to be to protect our asset that of Justin Fields. And if and if you got Jenkins coming at you, they, they might start laying off hitting him. If linemen start getting in those guys faces.
5: But for me, is yeah, he's part of the, he's a part of the offensive line in the future, no doubt. But for me, it's, he's probably either inside a guard or a right tackle. But in terms of left, if if I go into the next season, his as my left starting left tackle, I'm gonna have some concerns with no backup behind him because just in case he's not there, you know, in, in terms of being an NFL left tackle. But uh, you yeah, know, in terms of right now again, like you did with Peters, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like it's like Justin Peters has been playing well for a guy who's 39 years old. So uh, I I definitely would I have. Offensive left tackle as as a top priority on my on, you know to do list in the offseason, whether it's a veteran which probably won't be and most likely is going to be someone in the draft so uh, that's something I'll, I'll bring in a, a, a high draft pick and have him compete with Jenkins and see you know let the best man win again we got to see what the situation is here in terms of the coaching staff w- what kind of s- system are they running so on and so forth uh, but I, I do want to go and break down the tape and, and see you know kind of look and see how he does in the run game this this game versus Minnesota uh, but I think I think well, just kind of not- off the top of my head funny
0: that you say that because i got a play queued up this was one of the plays that i thought you know a great opportunity for the chicago bears the bears elect to try to run behind tevin jenkins this is unedited so it's very raw here how i set this up for us to share but the, uh the right tackle number 76 you'll see him here uh 74 excuse me you see him here in slow motion uh and he just doesn't hold his block and montgomery is is tackled in the background
5: so 74 is Jermaine Effetti. So that, that's not Jenkins. Jenkins is 76.
0: Oh, that's where I messed up.
5: Okay. Yeah, Jenkins by. on the other side. Jenkins yeah. on the other side, 76. Right. Well, then Efe uh, should get his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Well, I, that's the, it, it took COVID to get your back on the freaking field. That's, and that's the thing. It's like it's. I, I didn't want to see your back on the field, but I know I understand that there's, you know, in terms of numbers games and, and Borum was, was added to the COVID list as well. But Borum was a kid that's really played well for me at least in terms of that right tackle. So I've really been impressed with him. And, again, if, if you get a fifth-round pick at right tackle and if Jenkins turns out to be a, a starter at either left or right guard or even right tackle – uh, I think that that's going to be a, a nice positive there for for the Bears too. And I think James Daniels had a strong game today. Uh, another guy that I think is should be a guy that they look to resign. And, and you know Daniels and and Borum and Whitehair um, and then in you know Jenkins. So so you have like four fifths of your of your line kind of kind of made there, and they're they're relatively young if you if you think of terms of you know age wise. So I think the four fifths are there. I think just you solidify left tackle. Uh, for me at least, so if I left tackle, I think then you go ahead and you have the, the at least a foundation of, of a, a line that can grow together and get better, um, you know, as, as time goes on. So And then now you have Justin Fields back there, and I, I, I don't know, uh, a quarterback that can, you know, you know Break containment if if the protection isn't great there and and, and kind of you know run around and make some plays happen as well. So, you know, th- th- you know, Tyler, I think you said it earlier. There is some talent here on this on this roster, and Alden and I have gotten into it before in terms of you know, Ryan Pace bringing in some some quality players here. Um, now, has he failed and missed on a lot of players? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and just you know and just flat out defend him, but I think there is some talent here on on, on this on this roster that that you can work with, and and if you if you're looking, you know, to go out there and if this position is or this Bears job is open, I think it's going to be a, an attractive position for a lot of potential head coach candidates. I think even if you're looking for a GM or a president, because I think they can see the foundation here they ha- they have a city that that that's dying for 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 a winner uh, a fan base that's dying for a winner they have a potential new stadium going up in in, in uh, all those backyard there in, in Arlington heights so i mean this there's a lot here to draw some of the, some of the top quality uh, minds here in football so i j- i think this is a position or, or, or place that a lot of guys are going to want to come work here and and I, I think justin fields will be a drawing card guys i mean I know Twitter is, is 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 hacking him out right now in terms of you know some of the, the mistakes he's make. But guy, this is a rookie quarterback. This is what rookie quarterbacks look like. So um, Dan Dan Payton there says we need a real center. I got an answer for you. You move James Daniels over to center. You got yourself a real center there. I know I know Mustafer has gotten a lot of critique here, but I I, th- I think you move Daniels to center that takes care of center. And I put Jenkins at right guard next to Larry Borm and I think you have a young right side of the uh, of the offensive line there to build up on.
0: What do you think about uh, paying uh, James Daniels top money, guys? Uh, because he is a free agent after the season. This is his fourth season, so uh, he's going to demand uh, a good buck. Uh, you think the Bears should make
5: sure they bring him back? I, 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 I doubt. I see him getting top five guard money. Uh, you know, That's recently gu- guards have been getting paid a lot. You know, I think of like Joe Tooney for the, with the Chiefs and some of the other players out around the league that have been getting paid a lot. But those are premier guards. You know, we're talking about the the kid from. Uh, from the, from the Colts, and uh, and, and I'm, I don't know why I'm drawing. Uh, Nelson, uh, you know, th- those are the top-tier guard. Those are the guys that get paid a lot of money. I, I don't see Daniels going out there commanding a, a lot of money right now. Uh, he's still, again, relatively young guy. Hasn't really, you know, proven himself, has shown some some good spurts, has been injured uh, quite frequently. So I think, you know, if the Bears uh, want to resign and bring him back, I think they should make him a priority and, and do bring him back. And, again, he'll be part of the – part of that foundation. But again, this all stems and all relies upon who's coaching this team. What kind of offensive system are you gonna be running? Who's your line coach? You know, do they want to do the athletic guys, the zone scheme, kind of guys that can block laterally, or do you want more power scheme? You want those guys that can that can come and get out of their, their stance quickly, do a counter trade block and you know with a tight end or a running back or, or another uh, offensive lineman and, and do you know some of those those counter trade blocks, you know, some someone with a power scheme. It all kind of depends on see what they bring in here, who they bring in here to coach these guys.
0: Let's take a, a quick look over at Spotrack and see what the big guards are making in the league. Obviously, he's not in that uh, category yeah. of Zach Martin, Joe Tooney, Norwell, Andres, Pete. So we so we scroll down probably more in that Shaq Mason, Jay, I'm not even going to pro- try to pronounce <laughs>
5: I yeah, I mean, I'll keep going on because I think all these guys have proved themselves here over over the years. You know, like you know, here now you, the, the the Duvernay uh, Tardif, the Eric Flowers, you know, Billy Turners. Well, Quinn Nelson is, is, is someone's rookie contract, so he's he's going to get paid right. a lot there. But I mean, this is where we're going to kind of look here in terms of Alex yeah, Lewis. Brand, Britain,
0: Brandon yeah. uh, Shreff.
5: he's he's I playing think. he's playing on on a, on a franchise tag there as well. So I, I think it's that's a guy. Oh. Who, yeah, so we're gonna have to take a look here, but you know, I I think he's not in in these tier here in terms of these some of these players, but you kind of can this the, the ballpark range here like you know right now he's had of – for me he's ahead of like you know uh, Billy Pierce and some of the other guys we saw on the list there too, so I didn't catch the numbers there in terms of how much he's making, but you figure a start a starting offensive lineman makes in what in a five to eight million dollar range. Per year, and mm-hmm. you know, right. that's what you're going to be looking at. So wait, you know, we've got that Jimmy Graham money coming off the books. You would think, right? So that's eight nine million right there to to pay your starting guard. But uh, you know, again, it's, for me, it's gonna. I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of the cat. And then now, are, are you going to be paying him as a center or as a guard, right? So if you bring a new coaching staff in, now they say, no, we want to make him a center, now you have a whole different different you know ball game there. Now now if you if the teams are coming in competing with you salary wise and they want to pay him as a as a guard, you may have to say goodbye. I'll hate to do that. The kid's still young, and he, and he shows good promise. So you know, that's something we we'll have to take a look at in the offseason. Mm. Uh, what about the play of those four specific
0: D- D-backs that started the game? You know, Who impressed you the most out of these no-names, these guys that have been hidden in the practice squad, these low-draft picks, these mid-draft picks? That was a collection of defensive backs back there that you know, really had me petrified. Like we mentioned earlier, Tyler Ellis had Justin Jefferson in our fantasy football game. I thought he was going to put up 200 and two <laughs> touchdowns and Tyler was going to win that game. Plus he had Dalvin Cook too. So in case Jefferson only had a hundred yards and he was nowhere near those kind of numbers. You know, talk about scheme, talk about player, uh, uh, uh uh execution what really impressed you guys most uh
5: from the bears defense and that in in particular that's uh secondary Benny. well for me uh you know patrick graham jr it's, it's, a, it's a guy that i liked uh you know coming out of oregon uh on our, on our leading up to our draft last year on our draft on tap show i, I was saying this is a guy that you know he, he Opted out last season at Oregon. Uh, was a guy that was highly ranked on my board coming into last season. Of course, opted out, didn't play at all last season. But to get him in the sixth round, I think that was a potential steal for the Bears. It was kind of disappointing that he didn't make the, the roster coming out of training camp, but he was on, on a practice squad. And I think he played tremendous tonight. He had three pass breakups, was aggressive in terms of his run defense. We talked about it a little bit earlier in, in the program here. I think he's a guy that definitely deserves a, sh- a shot to start, opposite of Jalen Johnson, even if Johnson is back next week. I think I'll I like see Patrick Graham in there if, if if nothing else i want to see him at least playing slot corner you know that's that's a that's a position that we've been battling all year to trying to fill that their area but i want to see patrick graham more on the field more so uh and in, and in, in going forward here uh obviously I, I think uh t's Tabor touched on him as well he's a converted he's a former corner uh second round pick of the Lions. Highly tired of coming out of Florida. Been converted, converted to safety. I think he was aggressive in terms of his run defense, his run support. Came down, made a couple of nice tackles, open field tackles. Secured the tackle, brought the ball carried down to the ground. We have been you know, dying for, for our safety to do that here. So, But I think he's more of a, of a backup type, a reserve type. Uh, I, I think, guys, I'm done with Marquise Christian trying to cover in a slot. Uh, he had the one guys, good play, though. <laughs> he had one good play, but he got away with holding I, th- I think that could have been a penalty. It was, it was a touch and go there as well. But, true, uh, yeah. I think for me, he's more of a special teams backup guy, more of a safety type, not a guy that can come down and cover Justin Jefferson in the slot. So I think I'm, I'm done with that experiment. If you want to cover some tight ends in the slot, Okay, I can see that, but I think him at a at, at, uh, at slot corner, I think I'm, I'm done with that. There, um, I think Kildo Vildor, a guy who's been kind of picked on throughout these last you know three or four or five weeks, I think he played well today, guys. I I, I think he might have had a one penalty, but that was kind of a, a might have been a penalty, you know give and take here and there but uh i think he acquitted himself nicely today in terms of a, kind of a, of a bounce back game there as well I, i'm still high on that kid uh, I, I think that guy's got shown some potential yeah he's, he's been beaten there uh you know like i said last three or four or five weeks but uh i think guy has got some spunk and i think he's a guy that can come back and and contribute and be part of this the secondary moving forward so uh those guys kind of jump off the top of my head for me uh on tyler who who, do you, who kind of caught your attention
2: I mean, like Aldo said. I mean, just last week. I mean, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook, both of those guys put up ridiculous numbers, ridiculous numbers. So the fact that our backup practice squad guys came in, to, I mean, Mr. Graham. I mean, you guys. It was a whole team effort. Kirk Cousins took sacks because they were those were coverage sacks, and that's because that whole defensive unit was they were actually moving as a unit. They kept containment on the running lanes. Cook couldn't break it outside. He couldn't break it outside the way Ogletree and Roquan were attacking those D-gaps. And so um, those DBs playing, I don't know this, I believe the other coach was getting them ready this week. Because they weren't sure if Sean Desai was going to be able to, um, to actually coach today. So I, I don't
0: know if it was Sean Winfield.
5: Is his name? It was it was uh, Deshaun Townsend. He's a former Townsend. NFL cornerback. Yeah. Uh, he's he's All actually right. the cornerback coach. He's a he's a corner slash safety coach on the team. He was he might have potentially been calling the plays because apparently Mike Petton got sick as well.
0: He, he, he was much. supposed
5: to be the uh, defensive coordinator in case Sean DeSai couldn't go, but luckily DeSai came back. And so the, Townsend's always been there. He's he's the he's their position coach, if you will. So. That, that's who would have been the, the game the plan guy.
2: the game plan that went into getting these guys ready for, for for this game was just really really good it was really impressive it was really impressive they the defense they we wish they could score all the time because that's how that's how we used to score our touchdowns with the bears but um but um it was really really it it was really cool to see um hopefully mr graham could get a, get get some more action how the rest of the season um let's see how he works out um as i wind down to get out of here um, I just like I'm just like I keep looking at my phone to see if he have been fired. I keep looking for my Twitter. Alert.
0: Are you at a, like a secret location? You know that we can't we can't disclose to the public. Is that what's what's going on there?
2: <laughs> it is a Homeland Security site. That
0: is- <laughs> <laughs> Well, the sign above that door says there's not an exit, but the, hopefully there will not be a sign like that at Hallis Hall for Matt Nagy, and there will be an exit sign, and he will be, be departing from it quickly. Brother Tyler, uh, tell us what's going on before you get out of here, and Danny and I, were going to go a little longer.
2: Um, just um, stay tuned to the network. Appreciate everybody spending your time with us. Happy Monday night. Um, have a great freaking week. Um, let's, let's crush tomorrow. Let's go be great. Um, don't settle for average. Barroom Network is bringing to you everything you need. Season's almost over, but guess what? We got Bulls gold. We got Bulls one-on-one. And so, like, yo, yo, the, the Chicago Bulls is going to be in the playoffs. So <laughs> we'll get over this and we'll have a, have a brand-new head coach in the Chicago um, Bears to play with. But besides that, so stay tuned to the Barroom Network. Have your reminders on for every time we go live. And um, Danny, I'll go take care of you guys the rest of the night.
0: And Tyler, I have Merry Christmas to you and all your loved ones, your kids, uh, your beautiful fiance, all your family, uh, your brothers, everyone. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. We don't have a the Bear Debate show tomorrow, but we are probably will have one next week. So we'll, we'll see you then, all right?
4: Sound good. Take care, gentlemen. All, all right, right Christmas.
0: Danny, uh, I want to put something up on the screen here, you know, and this is more from an emotional analysis standpoint. This is something that John Greenberg at The Athletic uh, posted just a little while ago, uh, theathletic.com. This, again, is John Greenberg writing, firing Lovey Smith wouldn't have been an issue if you replaced him with someone better, like Bruce Arians. The same goes for canning Jerry Angelo, who could have ceded the front his, his role to front office executive Chris Ballard. But Chairman George McCaskey and President Ted Phillips replaced them with Phil Emery and Mark Tressman, and then Pace, John Fox, and Nagy. Arians won a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Ballard is a star in Indianapolis, and the Bears are getting manhandled on national TV. That's the sad truth, man. Um, You know, I know you're as big a diehard fan as anyone here in the Room Network and anyone that uh, is with us here live or listening on podcasts. How does it feel? You know, like you, you've been talking about how embarrassed it was, but how does it feel that there might not be a, a rosy, immediate future? Because whoever comes in here has a lot of work to do.
5: Well, that's the thing we talked about earlier, right? We talked about you want McCaskey to go ahead and make a move when you say yes, all right. And I'm like, oh, is he going to make that move or is he going to make you have you hold your head in your hand and be like, oh, no, he hired that guy? You know, that's the thing. is like, is like who do you trust up there to make the right call? We know Matt Nagy. is 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 in his final weeks as a head coach that that's obvious i think even a national television team today was was all over it that's that's Mm writing's on the wall right whether it happens this week next week two weeks end of the season it's going to happen you know the next question is 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 ryan Pace's job up, up, up up for grabs you know i've kind of defended him ryan pace here you you're totally against ryan pace and if ryan pace gets fired i'm not gonna sit here and defend him and say you know he shouldn't get fired you know, you know, it is what it is. Right. But the thing is, who are you going to bring in and hire? And, and do you think, you know, George McCaskey or Ted Phillips, you know, un- understand what's, what's going on. You know, we talked about, I think it was on, if it was on the air, or if it was kind of like after a show, you know, how Arkash had had kind of was on a local radio station here and he's, he's pretty really plugged into the bears. And he says that, you know, uh you know, that's the possibility, you know, a guy like Rick Smith, the, the guy of former Houston Texan general manager, the guy actually, did, you know, Drafted Deshaun Watson uh, is a guy that that had to leave his post due to uh, you know some issues with his wife in terms of uh, health issues, but also there was some friction between him and Bill O'Brien if you remember correctly. And that's when Bill O'Brien was given the full reins of the Texans, and he kind of dis- disintegrated the whole organization. So, mm-hmm. so that, that that's a guy that's a name out there that that uh, intrigues me. A guy whether you bring him in here as a, as a potential GM already bring him in here as a head of football operations and kind of have him kind of go through and, and, and grade, you know, Orion Pace's work. And obviously then him and Pace maybe make a, a coaching hire or like I said, just blow everything up, give him full reign of the organization, but you got to bring in someone here, I believe to run your football operations that has a winning or a successful track record in the NFL. If you bring another guy, an unknown executive from from another another team, the, you know, the fan base is going to be, you know, re- really going to be like, okay, how do we know this guy is any good? And now you're expecting the base to go ahead and trust McCaskey or Phillips, whoever makes the hire and say, you know, this guy is is going to lead our organization. So I think they have to go out there and I think they have to make a, a hire. That's going to be the face of the franchise in terms of off the field. And I think you go from there, whether it's uh except he's the GM or if he's a uh, vice president of football operations, you're going to have a guy there. And then from there, it kind of trickles down. That guy will then go ahead. If he, you know, if he's a VP, he hires a GM and then the, him, and the GM, then, pick a new head coach. So I think that's how it's got to go. But, you know, who's that guy? I think Rick Smith's a name out there. There are a lot of executives around the, around the, the, the NFL that that could come in and, and do a great job. A guy that I have uh, honestly worked with but a guy that I, I, I know his, his body of work and have had some conversation with him is, is uh, Jeff Ireland. He's a former Miami dolphins GM. He is part of the saints front office. And I think he he is part of the the team that actually had had a hand in drafting that that great Saints uh, draft class. The guy you know, included Marshawn Lattimore, Alvin Kamara, so you know uh, Ryan Ramchek, all these guys that have pretty much been the core of the Saints. Uh, you know, have he's 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 had a hand in it. So he's a guy again, former GM with, with the Dolphins. He's the one remember remember he had that issue where I think he asked. Um, uh, and I'm drawing a name on the blank, the receiver from the uh, from the cowboys. Um Gallup. Uh, no, no, no. The um oh my god, I can't believe I'm drawing a name. He asked him if his mom was was a prostitute. Oh uh, uh, and the, during the, the, the draft process. And I can't oh, believe I'm drawing a, a blank. Cd C- 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 Lamb. No, no, no. It was it was pre pre, pre, pre C D C- 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 Lamb pre. Oh, oh okay. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I can, anyway. So he got in hot trouble with you know, some trouble with that as well. That's Bryant. Thank you, Steven. That was Des Bryant. Uh, he, he, during the draft process, CS does Brian if his, if his mom was was a prostitute because I guess there was like rumors and all that stuff. But uh, anyway, so but he's a guy that I think he knows uh, how to how to pick talent and 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 you know build a roster. You know we saw the the Saints have been decimated with with injuries, right? And but they still have a a, a quality defense out there, and they have a, they have some nice. You know, they find some, you know, nice free agent uh, receiver, some, some running backs, some offensive linemen to go ahead. I think he knows how to build a, a a team, football team. So that's another name to keep in mind. There is Jeff Ireland. So, you know, who are you going to bring in, and do you trust the McCaskey to make the the right hire? Is what it's it's going to be. But I think change is coming. I, I know for some of the fans and some of the listeners, it can't come fast enough. Uh, but but just just know that change is coming. Um. There was
0: a pool reporter, I think it's his, uh, it was Jason Leisure, and he posted uh, these comments from uh, the referee regarding the Matt Nagy penalty. Uh, the Novak says, I won't repeat what was said, but when it crosses a line and it's inappropriate, that's when we throw a flag, Novak said after the Bears lost to the Vikings. He said they didn't give Nagy a warning before he went too far. It's tough to warn because we don't know where the conversation is going, Novak said. So if it ends up going in that direction and it gets to where we need to throw a flag, we throw it. You know, even when the NFL officials or officials of the officials uh, explain their cause, they still sound like idiots. I mean, I'm sorry. That explanation just doesn't cut it for me. There should be stronger, defined rulings on what a coach can say and get away with. You know, I don't think Nagy was purposely trying to get a penalty. He was upset because it was a terrible call. And and for them to throw a flag on Nagy, I thought that was Bush, man.
5: Well I think for me that explanation tells me that that the, the conversation wasn't just a typical, you know, upset head coach with an official conversation. I think it got vulgar. Uh, it may have got personal. I'm I'm not sure. But uh, you know, Nagy w- t- Nagy tonight was not a Nagy that we've seen, right? We've seen him show some emotion, <laughs> but I mean tonight it was like he was on a mission. It's mm-hmm. like he knew he wanted to go out, he wanted to win this game. Uh not sure why, but he he, he was out there maybe because of all they've been dealing with in terms of the COVID and, and all these other things, and the NFL wouldn't wouldn't push their game back. I'm not sure if that was an issue, but he was highly emotional, he was fired up. And you could tell it. And I think from that explanation from that referee tells me that that conversation went to you – because, know, because you know, the referees are, are – they understand, right? It's a football's an emotional game. Coaches get emotional. And they take a certain extent of abuse, especially if they know they've missed a call. But I think when he, we, there's certain words that you kind of – you can't cross the line. And I think like his explanation was you don't know it's going there, but when it goes there – you, you just got to throw a flag. You can't give him a warning, right? So I think that's where – I think that that conversation escalated quickly with Nagy and the official. And officials felt like he he crossed that line and he threw the flag. So I think this is why, you know, that, that, that's what happened. I think, again, why was he so emotional tonight? You know, was there something behind the scenes that we don't know about yet? I guess, you know, time will tell. But definitely this is the most fired up I've seen Matt Nagy on, on the Bears' sideline.
0: So um, where does the team go from here next week? Who do they have? Seahawks
5: are at Seattle
0: at Seattle see I don't I don't give them a a a fighting chance to even compete with Seahawks I know the Seahawks have not been playing well this season although they have won I think two of their last uh their last two games I'll double check that but I just don't see this team going into that hostile environment in Seattle and scoring any points do you
5: no, I mean it's it's hard to see that. I mean, it's hard for them to they can't score points at home. Much less expect them to go out there and score points on the road. So I think it's it was just it's going to be a hard environment to go up there and win. I know, Russell Wilson's coming back into form. It looks like in the last couple of weeks in terms of being able to get that ball downfield. I can see he's dealing with that that mallet finger they call it that injury in in which he can't extend his index finger. So I think he's getting better now in terms of you know being able to you know kind of get that football, get a better grip on the ball, and get the ball downfield. You got those big play guys and, and Tyler Lockett and, and, and DK Metcalf, but again, you know we got to see what's going on in terms of how Seattle's roster is. You know, they're playing tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, remember their, their, their game got pushed back, pushed back for the Rams, so they're going to be playing tomorrow night on a Tuesday night, and now they got a even shorter week than normal to get prepared for, for the Bears. So, and again, now we got to see the COVID list and if they lose any players and all that. So I, I guess you know the Bears will have obviously an opportunity, but going to Seattle is not an easy trip to make. Uh, and going up there and winning in that hostile environment typically is not, is not an easy thing to do, especially if you're a team offensively, you can't put points on the board. And I think that's going to be something that we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see the bears get back some of their their players here on defense and on offense. So, uh, but definitely uh, another way, another game in which Justin Fields can kind of get some of that word experience and get some of that, some of that, uh, some of that experience. We're looking for him to get this, this season. But again, um, expecting them to go up there when i think they open up already as a seven and a half point underdog in terms of the the vegas line so obviously vegas is not expecting them to go up there and, and pull off a victory as well so we'll see what happens but i do i expect them to go up there. And win honestly I, I don't let's
0: uh go back uh to the game a little bit and analyze a, a little of what we saw overall you you commented on the play calling but can you can you spot whether there was like a trend of bad play calling overall coming in, you know, what what the scheme was for the Chicago bears, did it work for you? Do you think that they ran the ball enough? Uh, You know, can, can you offer your professional criticism of, the the offensive scheme that Matt Nagy brought into the game. For me, although you know,
5: it starts always with with the run game, right? And and I think that the Bears identity is is a running team, and that's something that that the, this coaching staff, at least head coach has to me in my opinion has kind of, you know, like fought that. He has he doesn't want that that notion in terms of this is the this is a a run first team, but, you know, David Montgomery only had 18 carries today, he averaged about 3.3 yards a carry. Again, um I don't, I don't even think uh, Khalil Herbert got anything in terms of carries at all. I don't see him on a on the statue there as well. No. You know, J- Justin Fields throws the ball 39 times okay, versus a team that leads the NFL in sacks. Right, and you and you have you have what two two of your starters not playing any offensive line due to COVID uh, and due to injuries. So it's like that's not a game plan for for success in my opinion. Right now, I, I know he's going to say that they're they're trailing, but but this game was what 17 to three or it was 10 to three most of the what first half you know, early into the second half, then right. became 17 to three. You're it's only two scores down. You only two scores down. You continue to run the football. You do what your offensive line does best, and that's you know you know David Montgomery was was, was was you know busting off 10, five, you know, 15 yard runs there. So just continue to get that ball down down the field, continue to go with with some play action. But what happened, we saw Justin Fields more and more, especially in that late third quarter and into the fourth quarter in the shotgun, right. In the shotgun, throwing passes, 39, 39 pass attempts versus this defense um, with, with two offensive linemen out is not recipe for success. In my opinion, I think you just pound the ball on these guys and make them stop the run. And again, he didn't do that, and that's something that 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 has plagued this this head coach and this play caller throughout his, his tenure here in Chicago. And I just don't understand why he is so up opposed to just just running the football, running the football, and and using the play action game to go ahead and and, and you know make you know get some some plays down the field, and then also um, you know. Uh, get some points hopefully on, on the field as well but uh, yeah to me it all starts up front with, with that run game and if you're not running the ball if Montgomery doesn't have 20 to 25 carries in a football game I, I don't think he's he's got enough action there.
0: And what is it with this team and the mistakes the turnovers the offsides and stuff in all of your years of being associated with the game do you do, can you point to the coaching being the issue on this or is it yeah, just it's, players
5: it's undisciplined it's undisciplined uh and, and it's and it's a, a coaching staff that that you know there is no you know retribution there, there is nothing here no one holds you accountable for what you did at least you know it doesn't appear for you because these players are doing it over and over again how many times have you seen these dumb after the whistle you know unsportsmanlike penalties today it was it was uh, trevis Gibson you know ag- again you know, sticking his finger in, into the face of an offensive lineman. You know, we talked about a little bit about the uh, the rookie Tevin Jenkins going and defending Justin Fields because he, what he thought was a late hit. Now that I, I don't have a big problem with as much. Nagy already had you know had his 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 little flare up with the referee there as well. But uh, you know, j- just these you know, and then you get into the red zones and you just you have the, the false starts or you have the, 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 just the, uh, the confusion often, you know, whether it's lining up in the right formation, whether it's, you know, ha- having players run the right routes and all that. So, forth and then you have the, the mental mistakes and then you, then you can't execute a play. And even when you get breaks like this one here, where it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, first down, now you're inside the, the you know, the, um, first and goal, after that penalty on on uh, Kendricks, there mm-hmm. you still can't score a touchdown, and that, that's just and what happens? It's four straight passes. I don't think they even tried to run the football. They're you know, inside the five yard line. There, it's like run the football, get points on the on the on the scoreboard. Why does it have to be a, a passing touchdown as opposed to just a, just a rushing touchdown? Right? This is not fancy football. It's, it's not where a passing touchdown is eight points as opposed to a rushing touchdown is only six points. You know, you want just put points on the board and run the football into the end zone is, is just as good as passing it into the end zone. So, and this coach is just, does not like doing that for whatever reason. So, um, you know, th- that's just something like, again, it's embarrassing. It's, it's just, it's not a functional offense. And it hasn't been a functional offense in, in, a, in a very, very long time. And I just hate seeing guys being blamed, you know, the, the players that is being blamed, you know, like Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney for, for being put in a situation where they're not, being able to, you know, able to succeed there. So uh, that's the thing is like, if you don't score points in in this league, you're not going to win many games and the bears just have a issue scoring points on offense. And that's, and that's why I call it a broken offense.
0: Now, those highlights that I just put up uh, in the red zone, there were two plays that should have been touchdowns. Jimmy Graham can't hold on to one pass and Darnell uh, or Justin Fields overthrows Darnell Mooney just a bit in the end zone and so that prohibited Mooney from landing two feet or the, the requirements for the touchdown. Those are player errors,
5: right? Those, those execution, execution. Yeah, the player is not executing their, their, their plays, correct.
0: But you're saying that because of the, the, uh, the fact that the quarterback and the team's passing attack is still broken, for lack of a better way of putting it, that rely on the running game, push it in there, play good old-fashioned football, it's a
5: recipe for victory. Right, that's the thing. Your your best player on offense right now is David Montgomery, right? And and you have to, in your your identity on offense, what your offense line does best, is run block. And we've we've broken it down a couple of times here on, on Bear Truth, and we've talked about it after the game. Is like you guys run the football, and we saw Montgomery busting out know, 15 yard runs today. And yeah, there are a couple of times he was dropped in, in in the backfield for a loss, but you know what? You come come back at it, and you you come back with a play-action play. Uh, you you have Justin Fields under center and do a play-action play, have him sell that that you know that handoff, and then now now you roll him out and now you create something on the on the outside. You know we just see him continue. Whenever he's down by two scores, it's just continues. You know quarterbacks in the in the shotgun, he's just throwing uh, all out every single time. And again, you're missing. Two of your starting offensive linemen, one to injury, one to COVID, and you have a, a team that leads the NFL in sacks. Now, is that the way you want to, you know, approach this team right now? Especially with 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 an offense that that has been struggling the entire season, and you you're able to run the football. Like to me, that doesn't make sense. And that's why I talk about putting your doing what you do best, putting your players in a position to succeed. And I think that's not what's happening here in Chicago. It hasn't happened here in Chicago for the last three or four years. Uh,
0: The play of uh, Roquan Smith today, he had some moments on there where he just uh, displayed why he's considered one of the best uh, players, which was great that he had that kind of game in front of the national TV audience because he was bypassed for the Pro Bowl again. So uh would you have liked to have seen a little bit more splash plays from Roquan so that he could have really given the uh, figurative finger to uh the, the for people who didn't vote him in I,
5: I think oh. he had a, I think he had a good game I think uh, I, I forgot the stats here I'm not sure how many, how many tackles he ended up he ended up with a leading team with 10 ta- uh 10 tackles um, but I think he was he was up there and you know, making making uh plays at the line of scrimmage. Uh obviously they held Delvin Cook uh, pretty much in check for for the for the most of the game. I think he had less than a yeah, uh, 89 yards, um 89 yards rushing on 28 carries. So I think he did an admirable job. I think uh, Ogletree played a pretty solid game as well. Uh I, th- I think up front I could talk about Akeem Hicks was was eating blockers mm-hmm. up front if he's not sacking the quarterback. I think Ball Nichols made a couple of nice plays there as well. Um, you know, Angelo Blackson was was just angry tonight. I don't know. He 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 looked like he was going to get himself into a a fight there pretty soon as well because he was being physical and he was getting some someone on the Vikings was getting under his skin as well. So I think those guys up front were 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 pretty physical. I think they did a nice job of, of you know first of all putting pressure on on Kirk Cousins in passing situations. But also, you know, doing a nice job of, of, of holding in and corralling in, you know, Dalvin Cook. Last time we saw Dalvin Cook, he was running for over 200 yards on, on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, you know, I did a nice job of being able to go in and, and, and keep this kid uh, relatively in check. And I think, again, Akeem Hicks. The difference he makes in the middle of that Bears defense when he is healthy and he's he's going all out is just he's a he's a beast he's a monster and I just wish there's some way they can go in and just bring this guy back because he is you know he really is the heart and soul of, the, of this this defense in my opinion you notice when he was out of the, out of the lineup the, the the Vikings were able to run up the middle of the field on the Bears and I think that's mainly because Akeem Hicks is not not in there you know eating up blockers and allowing the linebackers to to roam to the football or to the ball carrier you know untouched. I'm going to hopscotch, hopscotch back to uh, the coaching
0: talk. This is uh, Clint Stoner. Uh, he is uh, SEC Network radio and TV uh, host. He writes that the Chicago job is as sexy as hell. Justin Fields is the real deal. They're more talented than most with a head coach vacancy, and we're talking about one of the sport best sports towns in America. Again, this is Clint Stoner, who uh broadcast for the SEC. He, he he played a little bit with the Cowboys, I think, in the you know, practice squad kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's right, right? I mean, right. They're, they're, maybe he's exaggerating a little bit about the talent, but they're still, you know, a good building blocks, right? I just want to say
5: Clint Stoner, welcome to the Barroom Network. Thank you for listening. Obviously, you were listening to me earlier as as, as I was talking and I was saying basically the same thing that, that this is a team that's got talent on there, and it's got a a young, you know, potential, you know, uh, starting quarterback here. That and and the fan base that that's that's rabid and 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 passionate and loves this team and will support it. Uh, potential new stadium coming up in, in your backyard there, uh, Aldo. So, uh, you know, this is there's a lot here to love, and I think this is going to be a job that a lot of these you know head coaching candidates are going to want to come in and and take a look at. Especially with, like I said, with Justin Fields being that that prime candidate there. So, you know, it's just a matter of of who you're going to go out there, who you're going to target but who is doing the targeting, right? Is it Ryan Pace? Is it someone above Ryan Pace? Is it someone all, to, all new altogether? That's the key question we got. We got to, you know, have to you know, kind of find out and see what the McCaskies do here. But yeah, I agree. I mean, like, you know, we talked about some of the, you know, the guys on, on offense, you know, I, I talked about the offensive line, right? I think four of your five starters are, are pretty much locked in depending on what you do with James Daniels and, and how Tevin Jenkins and, and Boreham develop. But, you know, so far, you know, everyone stays healthy, signs look you know decent in terms of You know, those guys, those young guys kind of forming a nice right side of the offensive line, in my estimation. Daniels at center, white-haired left guard. You bring in a a left tackle that can kind of solidify that position there. You have a solid foundation there for an offensive line. Got your quarterback. Your running backs are set in terms of Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, even if you get Tariq Cohen as as your third back there. You know, you got to add receivers, right? Uh, I think you have a a nice foundation there at tight end with with Cole uh, Cole Comet. Um, Horse that could be a nice, you know, third or fourth option there at tight end. You got to bring in maybe another blocking tight end, maybe another pass catching tight end. But you know, you got some foundation there defensively. You know, we talked about uh, whether you go with three four or four three. You got you got two guys there and and uh, Quinn and. Uh, Mac, that I believe will be on this roster next year because of their contracts. I think, even if you wanted to kind of recoup some draft pick and trade one of those two guys, I think it's going to be just cumbersome on, on your salary cap to do that. So, I think both of those guys are there. So, you got two edge rushers, and I think Quinn had two sacks tonight. So, he's up to what 14 or or, or is it 15 now? 15. Uh, but so, so, you got those guys. You got Bilal Nichols in the middle, uh, Roquan Smith, we talked about. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, kind of in, bring in some more linebackers there to kind of partner up with with Roquan there. But, uh, you know, corner, we talked about Jalen Johnson, a guy that's developing into a a, a pretty damn good um, a cornerback there on the outside. You're going to probably, probably, you know, put some attention there on the opposite side, whether it's draft guys or or, or free agent guys. I would probably would rather go a free agent route there, bring in a nice veteran corner to kind of, uh, you know, man that spot opposite of of Jalen Johnson. But, again, you know, you have some talent here, guys, and you and you got – you got the ability, if, if you come in with the right hire, you bring in the right staff, and then you have a, a, a chance to go ahead and do a quick turnaround. You know, this division could be up in the air next year, right? We could have a turnover in, in Minnesota in terms of their head coaching staff. You know, what's going to happen there? You know, Aaron Rodgers may leave the Packers, right? That's all up in the air there as well. And you have the Lions kind of still rebuilding there. So this division could be up for grabs here next year. And if you make the right hire with the right personnel to kind of, you know, come in and compliment some of the young guys out on his roster, it could, this could be a, a nice place to do a real quick turnaround.
0: Yeah. I know. Uh, I have to say it again, though. You know, it would be nice. I would feel a whole lot better about uh, the future of the Bears, both short-term and long-term if something dramatic happened at the very, very top. You know, I started the show talking about, there's this trick effect. You've got some incompetent And and. Uh, You know, I was always giving them the benefit of of the doubt. This is the first time I've called the Chicago Bears management incompetent. But a lot of people have been telling me that that's what they are for many, many years. I'm starting to buy into that. I think that when you continue to make mistakes with who you are hiring to make football decisions, those mistakes are going to be seen, and 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 you're you're stuck in that vicious circle. This is a a, a, a metaphor that people have been using with the Bears a lot: a vicious circle of mediocrity. This is a every year. It's a 500 team or a couple of wins above 500 or two or three uh wins below uh 500 now it's 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 gotten even worse and so they'll bring in somebody else who'll probably make some bad decisions or might not be a good coach and we'll be stuck in mediocrity maybe the reason why is because ted phillips and george mccaskey are just not making the right decisions and so I think it's time, you know, for uh, you, you, for the board of directors to say, George, you know, uh, your brother Michael uh, left and he had at least one Super Bowl title when he was leading the team. You've had 12 years. You don't have anything. You, you have uh, not even a playoff win. During Mm -hmm. your 12 years, so it's time to give somebody else an opportunity, and it's time for us at the family to maybe look at somebody from the outside to come in here, maybe be the chairman and 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 be the president of football operations, blah blah blah, as opposed to always looking inside. Now, I've heard a lot of reports about how much Virginia McCaskey and George McCaskey and Ted Phillips love Ryan Pace, and that one of the scenarios they, they put out there is that Pace could be moved upstairs. This Dan Wiederer was talking about this on his podcast, that Pace could potentially be moved upstairs, and then he would be in charge of hiring the next general manager. Well, how does that make you feel, Danny, if, if Pace is hiring the next GM?
5: Well I mean that's the thing it's like is if so if Pace goes outside the the organization hire a next GM right uh you know who, who where is he where is he getting his his reference from right where is he you know who are his contacts and, and and how is he making that forming that list now you know I would I would think that he would probably just promote uh Champ Kelly who's who's in his in his in his uh you know regime there and a guy who's I think has a, a, a ton of respect around the league has interviewed for other GM positions and not but now you're keeping it you know status quo right you're not really making a, a drastic change you're not blowing everything up so you know if that's the case you know what 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 happens there is is that's that going to be seen as a positive move right i guess for me it all depends on, on on if that scenario plays out right we talked about pace being elevated he hires a GM the next thing is I want to see what the coaches I want to see what the coaches and I want to see the coach Give me a plan. Lay out a plan to me and tell me how are you going to help Justin Fields get better? Because that is the key to this franchise. If you hire a a coach and he could be, for example, Matt LaFleur, the Packers coach, I think He is, we don't know what kind of coach he is. He he could be one of the worst coaches in the NFL, but he looks damn good right now. You know, you got guys like Dan Orlovsky saying he's a top three coach in the NFL, which is ludicrous in my opinion, because he has yet to win a victory a game without Aaron Rodgers as as his quarterback. Aaron Rodgers hides a lot of the blemishes in that Packers organization. And once that guy is gone from that team, we're going to see the true Packers come out right in terms of the head coach, the GM, the talent evaluator, so on and so forth. So again, my point is, if you get a quarterback, if you get that position right, it hides a lot of, of, of the blemishes within your organization. I think that's going to be the key here. You have a young kid, Justin Fields, that has a chance to develop. What is your new head coach? What is your plan? If you're an offensive guy, what is your plan around Justin Fields? How are you going to build this team around him? If you're a defensive guy, who is your offensive coordinator? How are you going to build the offense around Justin Fields? And not only that, who is your ex, you know, your your second in command? Because if I'm successful as a defensive guy and my offense corner is gonna be plucked away from me, I don't wanna have a whole new system for my quarterback to learn. I wanna have a guy already on my staff that's gonna go and just kind of move up a, a notch and take over the offense play calling as well. So that's the key there for me. And I, I wanna see how that who is Barton right here and what is their plan, specifically, what is their plan for Justin Fields? Yeah. And,
0: you know, uh, are you of that school? I put up a poll I was looking for, I couldn't find it, but I put up a poll uh, asking people on Twitter, do you think that Matt Nagy could ruin uh, Justin Fields in these last three, four games that, that he's coaching him? Would you rather uh, uh, Andy Dalton or Nick Foles play these last games? Are you of that theory? Danny, that it's better to get him reps, even if the scheme is running is not uh, very good.
5: Can he Everything. ruin him? He he can he he can ruin him by getting him hurt. He can go out there and put him in situations where you know he he can get hurt. Uh, but I I do not want to see any Dalton or or Nick Foles play because there that's nothing there. I have no interest in watching this offense. Led by Annie Dalton or, or Nick Foles, right? It's already bad enough to watch it with Justin Fields playing it, and you know. But for my thing is, I want to see him get those reps out. You know, tonight that 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 interview process post game, where he explained that that Mooney play, where what he was looking at, what the defense is doing, and how he came back, and then it was gone. You know, that's things that he's learning. That's things he's processing. He's gonna see that on tape over and over again now, through the week. And now it says, all right, next time I'm in a situation, I know how to counteract that. These are the teaching moments, uh the, you know, the process for him to go ahead and continue to get better. Again, ball security is an issue, has been an issue. I think that's something he's got to work on. And, again, just get rid of that football. Don't take sacks. or something he's going to have to continue to work on as well. But, you know, I want to see him out there. I want to see him, you know, shine that. You know, we saw it tonight. You know, there. that when he went into that no hurry, you know, the hurry-up offense, no huddle they're moving the ball down the field and they were getting themselves in, in scoring position. Now the next thing you know, they get into the red zone area and then now, now the, the play calling blocks box down and, and next thing you know that they're, you know, pointing the ball or going for and fourth down. So it's not something that, that looks pretty when it gets into the red zone area, which I'm, I'm not sure why. Uh, but you know, I want to see him out there. I want to see him continue to develop, get these, these mistakes out of his system. Now in, in the season, that that's a throwaway season. I do want to see the bears win games as well, because that just gives the players a little bit more motivation to come in every week to work and, and just try kinda of, kind of try every you know every game and, and, and put out a good effort out there. But it, it's also something that I do want to see feels out there and just, you know, getting these these rookie mistakes out of a system now and continue to to get better and hopefully develop into the next season
0: uh danny let me take a first crack at pj's question which is we have done well in the latter rounds of the draft who really makes those picks it's not pace head of scouting or somebody makes those picks i want that guy promoted is it champ kelly here's my my uh, thinking of how this works and danny can add to that correct me if necessary is there are regional scouts each of them have a part of the country and they go to colleges and they evaluate these players they come back with film and re- detailed reports about their personality about their uh, upbringing Everything They do thorough jobs. The higher the draft investment, the more thorough the job they're going to have on that investment. Then all they, they have t- tape. They look at it in rooms. All the scouts talk about it. The coaches that are on the staff talk about it. The general manager, of course, is there. The player director, blah, 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 player personnel director. They're all there talking about it, and then they come up with a consensus pick. Now, Ryan Pace is much more involved with those super high investments investment picks the first second and third rounder those day three picks rounds four five six seven those are the ones that he usually doesn't pay as much attention in terms of film and so forth that's how I've read the situation over the years and from
5: uh from reports Danny did I get anything wrong based on your knowledge well, the, the way I understand the way it works, and I'm not each organization is different, but typically the way it works is, is these these area scouts they they all you know they'll come up with the reports and they all falls into the uh, the head of uh, college uh, scouting director, right? So that that's who gets all the reports, and and I think Champ Kelly, that was part of the question. He's he's more on the pro side. He's more of if you think about free agents, so on and so forth. He that's where his his expertise comes comes in at the college scouting director. And I, off the top of my head, I, I forgot the name of the the, the guy who is in the charge of that position now with Bears, that- but. Josh Lucas, is it? No, Josh Lucas is at, 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 he's like the assistant GM, or I believe it is. I think he's like Pace's right-hand man. But anyway, Pace Lucas, uh, there's another other guy that, that the tap, that cap guy. They all kind of get in there with the, the scouting director, and they kind of set their board, right? So then they set their board Pace off of these these reports that are coming in from the scouts, coming to falling into the to the scouting director, and then they go ahead and they set these boards. Now when you get into a later round, the the first couple rounds. We see all, all these mock drafts that come out on these ESPN and, and CBS and all these things. These are all consensus based mock drafts, right? These are all, you know, that these, they get these lists of players that they should be considered, you know, first two round uh, players. And they kind of go off of that. You know, typically when, when a GM makes a bold pick in the first couple of rounds and it's not seen as one of these consensus picks, you know, that, that guy is either, you know, chastised for, for going off the board or or, or or if the player works out, Then they're like, oh, the guy's the guy's a great GM. But typically, they have these, you know, the top 150 or 200 players that the the whole league kind of kind of kind of considers the top players in the draft. Those are usually the guys in the first, second round. Some trickle into the third round. The lower end guys. Now this is where you say, all right, my coaching staff has seen this player, player A. Give me some reports on him. Now that the director goes to the to the area scout, the guy that went to the school and did the background check on the player, talk to his you know, his, his admin, his, his, his coaches, and all that stuff, and they give him more information. And then they typically go from there, and they fill it in as a need based off of the team scheme, based off if they need it. For example, if it's a receiver, do they need a guy with, with a speed guy, the guy defense downfield? Is it a guy they need, a bigger body guy, a possession guy, so on and so forth. So I think those later on guys, you get more of the coaching, more of a collaboration. You get the coaches involved, you get the scouting directors involved, and then you get now... The area scouts involved to kind of you know you ever heard that the term pound the table for a guy. This is mm-hmm. where you know these scouts say, all right, this guy is going to make it. This is a guy that we need to bring in here. I think he's going to be he's going to be enhanced in terms of this this system. He's made for this scheme. He might have been played out of position in college, he didn't put up the stats, but if you put him in this scheme based off his you know size, height, weight i think he's going to be a phenomenal fit and that's where these guys kind of get fallen into these later round guys so you know Darnell mooney's and, and the trevis gibson's and the kindle Wildors and, and some you know even eddie jackson was a fourth round pick you know guys like that typically it's all based off of the, the area scouts their information they've gathered on this player and then also falling it into the scouting director who then now works with the coaching staff and says all right scheme fit will he fit our system is he is he have character issues you know do now we do we vet this guy out can you guys bring him in interview process and you guys talk to him, you guys think you can control him. You think these off the field issues, are they something that are past him? Are they something that, you know, we, we can move on? We can, can we take a gamble on this guy? So a lot goes on to those, those later on picks. But again, those first couple of guys, those are namely the, the main guys that all these GMs are talking about. And then those, those third, fourth, fifth, you know, those, basically those late day two, you know, basically day three guys are all guys that are the area scouts are, have identified as a scheme fit or as, as, a, as a character fit for the team.
0: Now, here, uh, just for the record, for accuracy's sake, accuracy sake, the player personnel department, Josh Lucas, is the director of player personnel. Champ Kelly is the assistant director of player personnel. Charles Love is a scouting assistant. Ashton Washington is a scouting assistant. Then you go to the college scouts. Mark
5: Sadowski, that's the guy.
0: That's he, And he's in charge of the whole college scouting. Right. Jeff Shiver is the executive scout. Prescott, Paul, Somerville, uh, Ackley, uh, Hamill, C Sitai, C- Williams, and Rossina—those are all area scouts, or combine scouts, or regional scouts that all report to Max uh, Mark Sadowski. So he's the—he's—he's sure. he's the, he, the really a big part of all of, uh, in my opinion, all of the successes we've had in mid and late rounds. I think Mark Sadowski deserves a, re- a lot of so credit.
5: Sadowski has a position that Greg Gabriel had with the Bears under under Jerry Angelo, basically. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly, exactly. So, uh, how would you grade uh, Mark
0: Sidowski, and is he somebody that you might consider has a future as an NFL general manager?
5: That's the thing. It's like going from a college, uh, you know, scouting director to to a GM. That's a huge step. Obviously, you know, there, there's a lot that got to go into that. I don't know him personally. I have never you know worked with him, but I'm just it's it's a guy that you know has done a you know I'd say a solid job. I know his reputation around the league is is uh, is someone that that that's very uh, well thought of. You know, ar- around the league uh as is jeff shiver the, the their lead scout as well so uh you know he, he you know the bears do have some some quality scouts in, in their scouting department that that work for them so and, and i think i think some of it has, has come to fruition with some of these late round picks that they've hit on here in, in these, these recent drafts so that's the thing is like if you get rid of ryan pace now all those guys are are, are coming out of you know an, an opportunity to go ahead and and, and you know test their Free agent waters, if you will, and move on to other organizations. And I think, you know, Chris Ballard, once Jerry Andrew was let go, that's a guy that kind of left the building as well, right? Went to the Chiefs and then ended up from there going, you know, interviewing for that uh, Colts job and getting the Colts job. So Chris Ballard was a part of the, the Bears organization here as well. So under get a lot of under, good people in the Bears organization right. that have gone on and gotten great jobs
0: elsewhere. So definitely.
5: The, the, the uh, George Patton, the Jim uh, the, the, uh, now with the Broncos was a guy that was under the bears as well. So a lot of these bear scouts have moved up the, the, the chain and ladder, if you will, with other organizations have, have taken on prominent roles in the NFL. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just because, you know, uh, you know, the, the couple of first couple of guys, first or second round, you know, picks don't make it. Uh, it doesn't mean that the bears don't have good scouts in in the, um, in their scouting, you know, in, in their, in their scouting department, just because again, it is a collaboration, right? And you know, when when you get to that final pick, it's gotta you have to have you know the, the scouts say you're gonna have the director say you're gonna have the GM say you have the coaching say now a lot of mistakes here are, are made from, from my experience is, is when the coaching staff gets involved. That's when you see these coaches say, Oh no, I they fall in love with his, with the player having only seen him you know a, a, a short amount of time, right? These scouts have, have done thorough research on these guys dating back to last May after last draft ended. These scouts are, have got got the list and they're doing the, their, their due diligence on these players, the background checks, and all that stuff. And they've seen him throughout the college football season, so they have a good idea what the player is, what he can develop, how he can kind of you see him at, at, at the next level, and then especially scheme fit and with this you know with this coaching staff. Now, you bring a whole new coaching staff in. Now the scouts are going to have to kind of may have to adjust. What they're looking for, right? Whether if you're looking for an athletic interior offensive lineman, because you run a, a predominant zone scheme, now you go into a more of a power gap scheme, you have to change your offensive lineman. You have to look for guys that are more stout, more powerful at the line of scrimmage, as opposed to being more athletic uh, and having you know less ability moving to move laterally and just just more brute strength to go out and move guys off their, off their marks at the, at the line of scrimmage. So, you know, things change up that way. Um, you're looking for, you're bringing a, 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 um, a offensive guy that wants quicker speedier receivers. You know, they, you know, the guys like Allen Robbins is so a 6162 receivers might not be what they were looking for. They might look for more of those five, seven, five, eight guys, Tyree kills, you know, guys like that, that can, you know, get, you know, uh, get down the field quickly or, or just, you know, uh, run a lot of bubble screens and so on and so forth so it's so a lot of goes into goes goes into i'm not going to bore you guys about the whole process but um it, it just it, it's constantly changing and i think there's a lot of collaboration but i think for me a lot of mistakes happen when those coaching staffs get involved at, at the later portion of, of the evaluation uh, at the, of the evaluation portion of it and i think that's where a lot of these coaches say you know i want this guy and they, that overrides what the, typically what the scout says
0: um, uh, the Jay Rock says, uh, "What does Danny think of Elliot Wolf as GM? Elliot Wolf, for those who don't know, was for I think nine years with the Green Bay Packers organization. Worked his way up all the way to the director of football operations in 2016 and 2017." and everybody thought that he was going to become the chief guy with the Green Bay Packers, but he lost the power struggle over there, went to the Cleveland Browns where he's, he was assistant general manager for a couple of years and is now a front office consultant to the New England Patriots, which is says a lot about what they think of him, that they would come, bring him in and pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars to consult Danny, what are your thoughts about Elliot Wolf potentially being, you know,
5: uh, involved in the
0: Bears organization?
5: Right, obviously, Elliot Wolf, his father is, is Ron Wolf, the, the the Hall of Fame executive with the Raiders and, and and more, you know, famously with with the Packers. So you know, he comes from good you know, uh, bloodlines, if you will, in terms of talent valuation. And you're right, Elliot Wolf was was a rising star in, in the scouting uh, slash uh, administrative front office uh, field. And we, it's funny because when you go to the senior bowl, uh, a lot of people are, are trying to butter up to these guys are going to be in line for future GM roles, just trying to, you know, get, you know, network here, g- get your name out there because, you know, eventually these guys are going to, in position to hire you know scouts and, and and assistants and all that stuff so you always want to make you know make make nice with these guys and Elliot wolf he was one of the star attractions that every senior boy went to because everyone wanted to talk to him everyone wanted want, want Elliot wolf to kind of know him who know who he was and, and kind of you know pass him on a resume or or a scouting report so yeah it, the way he kind of his dissension went you know with with you know with the Packers, first of all then with Cleveland I think he's a guy that, that I will definitely bring in and and, and interview and, and see what he does. But again, now you're talking about a, a GM role. I'm not bringing Ellie Wolf here in, in here as a head of football operations. I'm bringing him in here as a possible GM. But again, I would like for him to report to someone like a VP of football operations, who knows what to look for and what, you know, in, in terms of a GM. So that's what I, we talked about some names earlier, Jeff Ireland or, or Rick Smith, potentially those guys, you bring those guys in, they're your football uh, a VP, and now you bring in a guy maybe like Elliot Wolf to be your GM. Now you and Elliot Wolf go and you guys hire your head coach. And then that's that's how it works from there. So then now, now there's a there's a there's a hierarchy, right? There's there's a VP of football operations, there's a GM, there's your head coach, and that's that's gonna be your 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 face of your franchise off the field, if you will. Yep.
0: It's interesting. Uh, uh lately I've been hearing a lot more talk about, you know, Ryan Pace's philosophy about not talking to the media. And I think it's a
5: mistake.
0: Yeah, it is a huge mistake. It's really hurting his stock. I think with people, casual fans, with the diehard fans, and potentially even within NFL circles, because it it just appears it's it it appears very cowardly. And uh, I think that part of the reason is is that he is so inclined to be uh, very, very secretive, that he just doesn't want to expose himself to questions and so that people can kind of, figure out what he's thinking of, you know, give ammunition to other teams. Well, Pace said this at this press conference, so maybe we should do that. If it, When he does do press conferences, particularly the one before the combine, he's throwing curveballs left and right, and every general manager and president is doing that, but he is just so obvious <laughs> doing it. Uh, so, you know, that that whole thing with, with Pace really bugs the heck out of me that he's not, a meeting with the media he's not more authentic he's not more honest and candid yeah you, you for strategic purposes you can't reveal everything but there are a lot of things you can you can talk about and even some of the injuries they can conceal it so much they make the the entire thing look like it's not hallis hall but it's some russian gulag or something like that right. with the uh with the information that they don't share with people it's a bad it's
5: bad right it's, it's a bad look i mean it's, it's you know the only time we talk to ryan pace basically it's is after the season ends right you talk to him uh he has a a, a mini like press conference at, at the combine you talk to him after the draft is has done and then you talk to him right before training camp that's it there's four appearances throughout mm-hmm. the year and i'm not saying he's got to be jerry jones out there meeting every week with with the team and all that stuff and, and to the media now i know he does a, a a radio hit for the local radio station but that that's just like a vanilla that's yeah. there's no questions there whatsoever so exactly. but the thing is like for example this this whole thing with, with matt negative that, that kind of blew up Right before the Lions game. You know, that's where you want your GM to kind of get up there and say, Hey, you know what? This is this, hey, this is not happening. You know, just just debunk that rumor, you know, stop it right there and say, you know what, this is not happening. We're not doing this. That's where you show leadership. You know, we're not saying sit there and, and do an hour press conference, talk about your draft plans or anything like that. Just kind of show to to the to the public, hey, we have a, a GM here that's in charge, right? And and, and if the final somebody's gonna, gonna get fired. You know he's got he's gonna have to make a you know a statement here and then in nothing it was just he, he hid behind the cameras you know uh even George McCaskey hid behind you know and then then to make a a statement now that was just just I felt bad for Matt Nagy because you just let him kind of sit out there you mentioned earlier they they, they bring out Chris you know Chris Tabor special teams coach to kind of you know answer the three questions like why is he out here for talking about this kind of stuff so um, now that's that's a situation there where I think Ryan Pace should have come out and said you know what. This is a, this is a false rumor. We're not going to come out here. We're not going to deny or, or or you know or uh, debunk every single rumor you guys hear on the internet. Mm-hmm. But this is one that that kind of took a, a life of its own. And I'm just going to make an appearance, say you know what, this is not happening. Matt Nagy is our coach moving forward. Blam, done. You know, so things like that is where you show a lack of leadership, a lack of uh, what I've talked about earlier, a face of the franchise off the field, right? So I think that's what McCaskey, if he's going to go ahead and and, and kind of evaluate right in pace. You gotta look at that as well and say, you know what? I want someone that's gonna be the the face of the franchise, right? The Cowboys are are, are playing like crap. Who do you who do you talk to? Jerry Jones, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's like it's like every team has their has their guy. Whether it's the head coach, the Patriots are, are playing like crap. Who do you talk to? Bill Belichick. He don't give you anything either, but you know everything. The buck stops with Bill Belichick with the Patriots organization, right? You look at you look at the the 49ers. John Lynch and and, and, and Shinehan are, are, are the, the leaders of that of that football operation there. You know, owner doesn't get involved at all. So the Bears, you don't know. Is, is it Phillips? Is it McCaskey? Is it is it Ryan Pace? You know, you, you want to know where the buck stops. And with the with the Bears, unfortunately, just there's no one here you can say, all right, the buck stops here with this this person. You just don't know.
0: Adam Hogue over at WGN Sports was reporting that Ted Phillips has privately been going about talking to people about getting out of the present position he is with the Chicago Bears and making sure that they bring in somebody who is definitely accountable as the fo- head of football operations. So he might be uh, he might be on the move to a lateral position with the Bears or or who knows where exactly. PJ had a, uh, a question here that I wanted to address. Uh, let me see where it went to. It says, uh, the only issue I have with Wolf is that Fields may not be his guy. So uh, that question, that comment from PJ brings to mind a podcast that I heard with Daniel Jeremiah uh, at uh, Move the Sticks. And Jeremiah talked about when Uh, people interview for general manager jobs, it's okay for the owner of the organization who's doing the interview or whoever's doing the interview to ask if you've got scouting reports on certain players. Can I see your scouting report on Justin Fields? Can I see your scouting report on Darnell Mooney? Can I see, you know, they want to see as many scouting reports as possible. Jeremiah said that it's almost like your resume. If you are a a college director of scouting and you're interviewing for a higher position in, in an organization, Showing those scouting reports is like a resume. So I don't think that the Bears, well, <laughs> the Bears could do anything that's stupid, but hopefully, if they're not stupid, I, I would think that they're going to pick somebody as head of football operations and another person for GM and so on down the line. That all these people are all in on Justin Fields being the being a quarterback capable
5: of becoming a franchise quarterback. You agree with that, Danny? you would have to right you because you, th- this is this is the, the face of your franchise you'd hope moving forward at the quarterback position and if you bring in a guy um because I mean, we know Justin Fields just going off of the last draft he had his detractors right so, some some people out there in, in the NFL didn't believe in the kid in terms of him being uh you know a potential starting NFL you know franchise quarterback so there, he's going to have detractors out there and i think uh for me I, obviously i wasn't one of them so you know I, I, I think you would bring in a guy that that's gonna you know, I kind of agree with you and say, yeah, yes, we can build a team around Justin Fields, but then you know, the opposite of that is—is is now, are you limiting? yourself in terms of the pool right are you are you not going to potentially get the best guy for the job because he doesn't like justin fields as his franchise quarterback so you know that that that's a thing you you would look at but for me yes i might might think if i'm george mccaskey right what are your instincts or what are your thoughts on justin fields first of all how would you build this french give me give me your your vision for my for my franchise how are you going to lay it out and second of all what what are your what are your thoughts on on our our talent in terms of the players, and then specifically Justin Fields? What are your your thoughts? And just if he says, you know, Justin can be an okay average court, NFL quarterback. All right, now you want to know why? Why does he think that? Now you want to break it down. So that's why these processes could get in, and yes, you're right, and Jeremiah is right as well. Obviously, he's I believe he's also you know uh, interviewed for some of these positions in in the past as well. So yeah, you can come out and say you know what. This is what you know I like about the kid coming out of Ohio State. This is what what I didn't like about him. This is what I saw in film in his first NFL season where it kind of confirms my, my doubts or this is where he proved me wrong and now I'm kind of changing my mind and seeing him go up against NFL action. So this is all stuff that goes on through the interview process and this is part of the part of the hiring you know procedure and that's why it's so important, right in my opinion, in your opinion, to get a head start on these guys. Uh, in, this, in this process as, as soon as you can so if you're going to make a change especially a head coach and a gm the sooner you do it the better you are because now you get a, more of a head start in terms of who's going to be your your target who you want to talk to and eventually also making that 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 higher quick quick in the process so that way you can you know move on to your head coach and and then he can move on to his staff and so on and so forth
0: why do you think the Bears did a great, great job today of sta- uh, stopping uh, Dalvin Cook?
5: Why? Yeah. What did I, they do? I just think that the Akeem uh, Hicks was in there, and he was just eating up blocks in the middle of, the, middle of that defensive line. I think while well, Nichols came to play tonight, and I think like Roquan Smith and, and Alec Ogletree were, were physical, and they were shooting those gaps, those A-gaps with, with some physicality, and they were stuffing uh, Dalvin Cook in, in the backfield.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, Looking at the StarTribune.com, and they give out game balls. There are reporters who cover the Vikings. They give out game balls to uh, anyone from any of the two teams. Uh, Two of the writers gave it to uh, Vikings players, but one writer gave the game ball to Akeem Hicks, saying it's not a Vikings-Bears game if Hicks isn't a force. He had two of the Bears' four sacks, two tackles for a loss, and four quarterback hits and kept the Vikings' run game bottled up as usual. Boy, you know, I started the show talking, paying tribute to Akeem Hicks, Danny, because he's one guy I'm really going to miss a lot. He's one of my all-time favorite Chicago Bears. Is there any any way that you could see him coming back one more year with the Chicago Bears at a salary that's good for him but also uh, cap-friendly for the team?
5: I do. I mean, and and and, I, and maybe maybe just me being wishful thinking, you know, you know, just hoping he's he's here because I think this guy is, is the hard and solve this defense. I think when he's healthy, and I've said it multiple times on tonight's show, I've said it multiple times on on Bear Truth and other shows. I said this guy is the hard and solve this Bears defense. When he's healthy and he's right, he's playing the way he's playing tonight, like a man possessed. He is very hard to move, and, and even if he's not, you know. You know, stacking the quarterback or, or presenting you know the, the pressures on the quarterback. What he does is he occupies blockers in the middle of that in that offensive line. He can be able, you know generate some some push there, get those blockers kind of backpelling into the into the the quarterback's lap, making the quarterback a little uncomfortable in the pocket, kind of you know changing his his launch point. there. that also affects you know the the, the opposing team's uh, passing game as well. So I think his impact is, is is immense, and I I just hope that they find a way even if it's a four or, you know, a short, you know, like a one or two year deal just to bring him back. And I think he's a guy that could play, you know, if, if you, if you switch to a four three, I think he could, he could be our defensive tackle in, in you know, in part of a rotation in the middle of your defensive line as well. So I think he's scheme versatile. And I think I would love to, you know, his leadership to, to stay here. I I just, I think if Ryan Pace and his, and his staff stays, even though he brought him here, I just think there's some, some friction, bad blood because of the contract situation. I think that, you know, a- Akeem might, might be less inclined to stay here if Ryan Pace is still here. But I think if the Bears clean house in terms of Ryan Pace and all that else, I think that opens up, the you know, a line of communication. So, hey, you know, depending, on, again, who you bring in, you know, their vision for the team and their, you know, their coaching staff, you know, you could, you know, then I could see them possibly bringing something there where, where they can keep him here, you know, for his leadership, you know, ability and just just for his, his, his you know, his effort on the football field. Yeah.
0: um, Over at... Uh um, on Twitter, Courtney Cronin, who covers the Minnesota Vikings for ESPN said that Zimmer said he felt the Vikings did a good job of handling the chippiness of the game. Quote, I know that it helped us a couple of times because they got 15 yard penalties. We try to be a disciplined football team and not do those kinds of things. But when you get your manhood challenge, sometimes you react, uh, and I don't know why that thing is in the middle there. And I talked to the to the offense. I talked to the defense about being composed and just doing our job. Whether you think that Mike Zimmer is full of shit or not, it is. Uh, I mean, the facts say the truth. They were the more composed team, and the Bears were a little bit chippy and, and kind of, you know, upset that uh, they weren't getting the benefit of the calls and uh, and some of the dirty play, perhaps, by the Vikings.
5: And we've seen this, and that's the thing is like it's not just like one off here and there. We, we've seen this throughout the season. How many times have we seen these these types of you know dumb penalties where they lose their composure and they and, you know they they get you know penalized for for you know because they're always they're always reacting to a player or they, or they get upset and they're they're punching players and you know and we've seen it you know going back to last year the year before that you know and obviously this year as well. So that to me is it just a lack of discipline of a team that that you know players that really you know are not scared of, of what's going to happen to them in terms of whether they're fine, whether they they lose playing time or anything like that, because, you know, they'll be back out there next week, you know, full amount of snaps and everything like that. So I just, I just, that to me is, is a, is a marking of, of an undisciplined football team. You know, these things don't happen to the New England Patriots, right? Because that the Bel- belt Belcheck will not stand for that, right? You know, the winning football teams, you don't see this kind of things happen. Yeah, here and there, it, football is an emotional game and these these are, you know, men that are going at each other and you'll see something going off here and there, but it's like on a weekly basis almost, right? Mm-hmm. You'll see that, you know, you, you don't see these a lot with winning football teams and that's things like, you know, just undisciplined non-winning football team um and, you know, unfortunately it just continues to hurt the Bears week in and week out.
0: Well, uh, what else do you want to talk about, brother? Because I will be back here, I think, around 11 a.m. You know, Greg Gabriel uh, uh, was so upset with not only officiating, but Matt Nagy. Well, I shouldn't say he was upset with Matt Nagy, but he he was displeased enough for the very first time to text me and say, the Bears might fire him tomorrow morning. Uh, Did you see a lot of egregious, uh, bad calls and bad uh, coaching by Matt Nagy enough to warrant him ba- maybe being fired in
5: the morning. Well, for me, I again, the offense is embarrassing. Although, I, I, I can't stand to watch the offense. I, I, it sucks watching the tape of this offense, just breaking it down every week to, to do a show with, with Bread Truth. It's, it's just how bad it is, and, and even with the you know. The um, the caveat of, of or the enjoyment of, of watching a young kid like Justin Fields develop, you know, with the system, I feel bad for him because I just feel like he's handcuffed and he's not put in a situation where, you know, his best talents are are, are put forth and and that's why I, I it's it's in, it's aggravating it, it pisses me off week in and week out but it's it's just to the point now where that that confusion on that fourth and one where he didn't call time out and that play was ran. That just, I just laughed. I'm mean, like, like, what else can you do now? You know, it's, it's, it, you know, you're a head coach. You have all three of your timeouts. You're in a situation, a critical point, juncture in the football game where you can maybe get back into this football game and you don't call a timeout. And you see your, your, your offense being discombobulated. But that's what happens with Man Nagy when he's, when he's calling plays. He's, his head is all into play calling. He loses track of, of stuff. He just, he doesn't have command of the football team. That it doesn't appear like. So that's why I always said, Matt Nagy, the, the offensive play caller, will get Matt Nagy, the head coach, fired, and I think that's that's what you're going to see here within the next couple of weeks or so. Because I think it's evident now that that he cannot coach offense, at least successful, you know, point scoring offense is what you need in the NFL. He just can't he can't coach that. He can't create that. And uh, you know, some might put out the blame at, at the feet of Ryan Pace for the talent. But I just, like I said, I, there, there is some talent here. You should be able to put some points on the board, right? You get into, into the red area five times and you come away with what, f- just a field goal? That's not acceptable. That's not winning football. And this offense, like I said a long, t- a long time ago, this offense is broken. And 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 the the person orchestrating the offense, the, the in terms of the, the head coach, the guys, you know, with the scheme and the, and, the, and the plays and all that stuff, has no idea how to fix it. And I think at, at that point, you just gotta say, you know what, enough is enough. Let's move on now uh Akeem Hicks
0: uh expressed uh his emotion after the game saying that he said goodbye to the fans just in case you know a contract can't be helped so I just wanted to come back to that Akeem Hicks will probably play some of that interview uh on tomorrow morning show he's here he's got
5: the game against the Giants on the on January 2nd so he's not playing that game
0: yeah that's interesting that uh, he said that let me see if I can find the exact quote Um, it is here. Put it up on the screen. Keem Hicks says goodbye to Chicago just in case. In case Hicks was highly emotional, knowing Monday he could this could be one of his final games in Chicago with the Bears, he has one home game remaining. So, his quote says, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I just know that I've got games to play, and if I do end up leaving, I'll miss it here. I truly love my time. And at the end, uh, he was saying, I was pointing to the people that cheer for me, the people that love me, the people that love how I play the game. I was pointing at them, letting them know I appreciate them from, from my time. They're always yelling my name. I wanted to show some love back. Hicks, 32, uh, writes the reporter, is in the final season of a four-year, $48 million contract. Sounds sad. It sounds like he's almost uh, resigned to the fact that um, this is going to happen.
5: Yeah, that's <laughs> unfortunate. And, and like I said, I I think if Ryan Pace and, and company stay, I think Hicks is probably gone but I think if, if you bring in a whole whole new staff, I think there's a chance for him to hopefully, you know, stay, you know, on for maybe a year or two. Uh, I, I don't think I don't know uh, how much he's going to attract on the on the free agent market. But I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, um, you know, bank breaking or something like that where where the, where the bears are or, or cap breaking, I should say, where the bears are going to be, you know, handcuffed and they can't really afford it. To- to pay him so you know he he, maybe he might give him a hometown discount because he he loves it here and it sounds like he truly wants to stay here um i I don't think he's going to accept a low ball offer but i think Mm -hmm. if you give him fair market value i think he'll stay whether it's you know for a one or two year contract so um you know hopefully i am fingers crossed that this is not his last season in Chicago. like i said when that guy is on he's healthy in, in the way he's playing the way he's playing tonight that guy is, is a, is a game wrecker. And uh, I think, you know, you know, flanking him with, with a Robert Quinn and and, and a Khalil Mack and a young developing ball Nichols. I think that just continue to going to get better and better. All right, Danny, any final thoughts before we pull the plug? No, I mean, just right now. I'm unfortunately we're just you know on at Matt watch. You know, uh, it, it we know it's going to happen. We just don't know if it's going to be you know um, after four after the season's done and next three games, or is it going to be after you know next week? Because remember, the the NFL rectified or, or, or agreed to this uh, this this uh, new rule where uh, teams that have. Uh, either let their head coach know he's going to be gone so so technically they could just make an announcement saying that maggie's going to coach out the rest of the season but he is done in terms of after the year and that could still make them eligible to go ahead and interview uh potential replacements uh you know two weeks you know with two weeks left in the season so obviously I got to get permission and do all. And, and I think they're all zoom interviews as well. not like in person. So, you know, that's something that to look, to look forward to or not look forward to, I should say, but, but to keep an eye on, see if that happens uh, if that breaks after the Seattle game. Again, Seattle is going to be up against it this week. You know, they're, they're playing tomorrow night. So they're going to have, you know, really short week. So, but that trip out to Seattle is, is a tough trip and that's a, that's a hostile environment to, to go up there and win a game. So if the bears are, you know, blown out in that game, you know, do the, do the McCaskins then just say, you know, Matt Nagy is going to be relieved of his duties after the season. And now we're going to start the process. But then that goes back to who's, who's making, who's doing the interviews uh, you know, who's the GM, what's a, what's the structure in your organization maybe they're just not ready to answer those type of questions you know we'll, we'll see so uh you know that that's really what we're looking forward to and I, again just the continued, you know development of, of justin Fields. unfortunately it just it seems like whenever he takes you know two steps forward there's always a step back for him uh i just want to see some more consistency and again just you know just have an offense that that you know caters to his strengths and just you know allows him to go ahead and and be the playmaker he can be so um so that, that's the thing we got to look forward to now
0: PJ wants to know if you think that Vic Fangio would be a good head
5: coach for the Bears. Uh, I, I think Vic Fangio is doing a solid job with with the with the Broncos. I think all he's missing there is is a quarterback, and uh, you know, two veteran quarterbacks that are that are going to be on the market uh, presumably are going to be Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers. If any one of those two quarterback ends up in Denver. With that defense, again, Vic Fangio's defense, top five in the league with Denver. He's got players hurt left and right. He traded away Von Miller. He still has one of the top five defenses in the league. The guy can flat-out coach defenses. Some of his in-game decision-making, uh, I scratch my head here and there. But, uh, again, all he needs with that team is is a quarterback. And if he gets a quarterback, and I hope they give him a chance to to come back for a, for a third season because, you know, with Teddy Bridgewater and with Drew Locke there, you know, two, you know, Basically, German quarterbacks, you know, he's got that team, I think, seven and seven now, you know, and and at least in contention for a playoff spot. So I think you give him a quarterback there with that backfield he's got there with the weapons he's got on the outside. He's got some nice tight ends. And that defense, again, with him leading that defense, I think that's that's a team that could uh, make some noise next next season in the AFC. Just just give him one of those two quarterbacks, and you'll see the Broncos c- competing in the AFC uh, for one of those top top two spots there. So I I, I think he's going to stay in Denver. I, I think he's done enough. But again, they brought in George Patton from the from the uh, the ex Bear Scout from the Vikings last year. So this is his first year as GM, you know. Fangio wasn't his guy. He didn't hire Fangio. So I think he's looking for an excuse to fire him. So I think if the Broncos fall short of the playoffs, you could see him lose his job. Uh, but I think it would be unfair. I think I think that guy has built a, a nice, solid foundation out there in Denver. Just give him a damn quarterback, and I think you'll see that Broncos team just take off.
0: There you go. I personally don't think that uh, Vic Fangio will come back to Chicago uh, as a head coach uh, he's 63 years old I think he'll probably finish his career he's a guy that loves his golf and loves his vacationing and so forth and fishing and all that stuff so I'd be surprised if he would want to take on another challenge or maybe his competitive spirit will say you know hey if some some other team that I can win a Super Bowl and accomplish that dream wants to bring me in then maybe maybe he'll he'll uh he'll prove me wrong but uh, I think he's got two
5: there's nothing on his contract, so he can just go and just in retirement, in a semi-retirement, just just collect the paycheck from the Broncos if he wants to. You know, th- does he want to go back into the grind of being a head coach again? I don't know, but but I think for the Bears, again, who's going to be hiring the guy, right? But I think you, you I think you have to bring in a a, a not not a um not a, a retread, but but a guy who's got some potential here in terms of exciting the exciting the fan base, and I, I, a guy who's got a plan in terms of how to go ahead and, and build that team around Justin Fields. so. I've said it before. I don't care if it's a defensive guy like a, like a Todd Bowles, or if it's an offensive guy like like a Josh McDaniels. I, I want to see a guy that's got a game plan for Justin Fields and what they're going to do.
0: Hopefully, we see him fast, quickly, soon. Um, Dan, uh, Dan,ny great job again. Uh, we're probably going to do a bare truth this Thursday, or it's kind of up in the air, right? It's safe to say. Yeah, with we'll the- see
5: how it, how it goes. Yeah, in terms of uh,
0: the schedule and all that stuff. There you go. Um, and uh, I really thank you. Uh, want to thank you for popping in here for the last hour and talking Bears football with us on Bear
5: Football. Uh, any shout-outs, anything you want to say before we pull the plug? No, just thanks okay. to all the listeners. Uh, and if we don't have a Bear Truth, I uh, just wish everyone happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll see you guys after the holiday if, if we don't have a Bear Truth on Thursday. But Aldo will keep us all posted.
0: There you go. And the best way to stay informed is to hit like, on our YouTube channel and you will get notifications on your device or just subscribe to us on any one of the audio podcast networks like iTunes, uh, Podbean, Spotify. Subscribe to Barroom Network and you'll get all of our programming and listen to what you like and what you don't like. Just throw it in the trash but I know they're not going to throw you in the trash, Danny, because okay. you're not <laughs> All right. I will see you in the morning or early afternoon with Greg Gabriel. We'll uh, find out what's happening at House Hall first and then alert everybody. Again, subscribe, and that way you'll get the alerts. Or you can also follow me at, at Borrow Network on, uh, uh, on the Twitter machine. Talk to you all later. Bye-bye.